Hello, you're listening to Talk of Spirit Anime Guest. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo! Today's episode is our Fall 2023 Anime Season First Impressions Part 2 of Unknown. And Chris is ready. Chris is ready for Farron. That's all That's all we care about. Are you ready for Farron, Chris? Yep. Um, he he at least did that for me. I appreciate that. I did, did you do Miggy and Gallet? I did tell you I was going to focus on Farron. Did you do Miggy episode one at least? No. Oh, you didn't do that one. I did something else you asked me to do. Oh, what's the other one? I don't remember. Just Farron? <laughs> Farron is the Fern. one that I, I, I know that for a fact you had asked me. The other one I, I, I said that I was going to catch up on. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, we're from otakuspare.com. It's where you can go for our links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, Discord, all that good stuff. But uh, yes, definitely appreciate everybody that supports the channel through Patreon, other ways. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump right into it because we got a lot to go through. And I, we didn't get, we didn't do enough last week. But at the same time, like I said, we didn't want to kill ourselves again because it's a lot of shows. <laughs> so there's gonna be a lot to go through. Let's kick off things with Shy. Uh, Shy is done by Studio Eight Bit. It's based off a of manga. Genres are action and drama. And yeah, this one follows. You guessed it, Shy, whose name's Teru. Uh, essentially, in this world, there are there was war, but then at some point, peace came to the world, and there is essentially heroes in every single country, and they're just protecting people within those countries. And with Japan, we have Teru, who is her hero name is Shy, and she basically helps people out there and protects the protects the peace and everything like that. When we open it up, she's at an amusement park, and then there's, like, some roller coaster that messes up, and she goes to save all the people on the roller coaster. One lady on there, uh, Iko Koishikawa, she's like, you know, take care of everybody else first, I'll be fine. And then she doesn't make it back in time, and so this girl ends up getting injured while Teru's trying to save her. And that kind of really messes with her. A uh, lot of backlash on the news and stuff, everybody's saying she sh- heroes should be held responsible for not saving people, <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, that kind of ruins her a little bit. She ends up getting visited by one of the other heroes, Pepesha, um, thinking that she's, you know, become a shut-in and that she needs some encouragement. But Teru's like, you know, look, I can't even activate my my powers. It seems to be, as we find out in, like, episode three or so, there seems to be something about their power as a hero that's sort of tied in with their heart. So if her heart's not into it, obviously, because she's feeling pretty sad that she couldn't save everybody, um, that's going to affect her way to activate her powers. But... Yeah, she ends up t- being taken up to the spaceship where the headquarters for all the heroes is, where she's told that there, even though there's peace, um, there's still darkness in people's hearts, and there's this group of people that are trying to tap into that darkness in people's hearts, and it's up to the heroes to not only save people, but to essentially light light the hearts of people, keep them keep them positive, keep, give them hope and all that kind of stuff. So uh, this kind of comes into play when one of Teru's classmates, which ends up being the girl that got injured on the roller coaster uh has one of these evil individuals show up and tap into her darkness in her heart which pretty much ties in with her survivor's regret remorse i know it was a debate on last podcast about that and i'm gonna do it again um survivor's remorse and the idea that her parents threw her out of a burning building and end up dying in the building and uh she feels that others going out of their way to help you or save you puts themselves in danger and she doesn't like that, um, which is exactly what Teru slash Shai did when she saved her. So that makes her become corrupted and she starts attacking people and, and well, didn't attack people, but she attacks Shai and Shai has managed to, to stop her from turning evil and break this ring that was placed upon her that's making her transform, which catches the attention of everybody because they're combating this, but they didn't find a way of actually being able to 
stop the corruption without breaking the ring. Anyways. Then uh, Shai gets tested by one of the other heroes to see if she has the the, the cojones to, to be a hero. And she, she fights back and proves herself and so on and so forth. So that is Shai so far. That is Shai so far. <laughs> um, first, foremost, really like Shai's design. I think she's super cute. I like the timidness. I like that already they're kind of hitting heavy on the idea of her being sort of an underdog hero trying to save people. Uh, there's a lot of mixture in there about the concepts of triaging, basically. Is, it, is triage the best word when you're having to choose who you save in a situation? Yes. Um, having to make those hard decisions to save people. Even when she gets her her courage back to go in there and save somebody, and that's basically because she, this boy that she saved previously kind of just goes to rush into the burning building, even though he doesn't have powers. And she's like, I'm trying to activate my powers. It's not working. But he's willing to do it. So I guess he's right that anybody can be a hero. You don't have to be a superhero in order to save people. Not all heroes wear capes, right? Right. But uh, yeah, she she rushes in there. And she ends up running into a situation where she has a, this mother who's unconscious. And she's embracing her, her baby in the middle of this fire. And Teru's as shy, is trying to save both of them. And at some point, this explosion happens. And she the baby goes flying. And she has to choose. Do I stay here with the mother? get her out of here or do i jump leave her behind and jump out the building and save this child that's flying out of the building <laughs> so it's like again even still when she makes the decision that she can't save everybody she still has to make those decisions and so this is kind of an acceptance point for her Papesha puts it really well because she understands that that's what shy is going through is this idea that she didn't save everybody um Papesha kind of puts it in a funny term because Papesha likes to drink <laughs> her codename spirits so that makes sense uh Papesha, thinking that's what's bothering shy puts it the best in the idea that I like people being drunk. So I would love to go around the world and get everybody drunk. Everybody, let's all get drunk. She'd like to go to every country and get everybody drunk. But the problem is that when I'm on this side of the world, over here, people aren't drunk. So it's the idea that, yes, you can go around and save everybody, but there's going to be somebody back here that you can't save. Um, it's a funny analogy. I thought it was funny. But yeah, it, it's basically shy, gaining her courage, fighting in her own way. There's a lot of emphasis on the idea that the other heroes find their own justice but at the same time shy is kind of this anomaly in the idea that she's pretty much got too much heart where's her heart on her sleeve she's very wanting to help other people whereas that's not always the best route when you're trying to save a lot of people so she's proven them all wrong but yeah that's um uh, that's basically the show in a nutshell so far i i have been enjoying it uh but there is a side of me that is i feel like it's lacking i guess that's the thing it's like i i like the opening I like Shy. I like basically a My Hero Academia, but with cute girl instead of Deku. <laughs> I like this idea of modern day uh, superhero kind of grounded in the idea that there's not heroes everywhere, but there is an existence of a hero. It is sort of a Superman kind of concept where things go down and thankfully the hero of this area shows up to save the day. They can't always show up, but when they do, they save the day. The problem that I'm having so far is I'm getting a little bit too much of a twinge of Sailor Moon slash a lot of the old uh, Magical Girl shows. And the idea that the the concept so far seems very bland. The bad guy is this evil villain that goes around and taps into the darkness of people's hearts and then they become corrupted and then Shy has to beat them up or save them in some way. Which, again, pretty sure that was the basic 
episode by episode setup of the original Sailor Moon, this idea of you'd have like a cosmetic lady and she's got her own little cosmetic store, but then the person comes in and corrupts her heart. So she becomes a cosmetic monster and goes around and attacks people. And then Sailor Moon has come in and wound prison power and it, it un negifies them and takes out the darkness out of their heart. Right. Pretty sure that's most. It's of the, always like it's always like them tapping in the darkness, wasn't it? Most most of the greed the or whatever old ma- magical magical girls and a lot of the uh, Sentai's do the same. Yeah, the similar. So it's always like a person that gets kind of corrupted in some way. Yeah, tapping into some negative aspect that they have, which again was was what would happen with uh, Koishikawa is that she was again had this remorse and she didn't like the idea of people going out of their way to save other people and putting themselves in danger. And she doesn't like that. Now Shy's doing it. She's putting herself in danger to save me when she should just let me be. Let me die. That's fine. Um, it is that idea which it it only do, it's only let me be perfectly clear. It's only done it once so far. I'm not saying that's going to be the formula because right after Koishikawa, it gets into again Shy if she can be a hero. Is she strong enough? And but that's the fear is that that's the concept that they've got into with the bad guys is that they tap into people's darkness and if that becomes i don't think it's going to become an episodic setup it could um, i'm assuming that that's something that's probably not the case with this show because i would assume that because i assume this the manga wouldn't have done too well if they if they went the sailor moon route and just became a an episodic type thing like that but my whole point is that aside let's not assume it's going to become episodic I need something else from the the quote-unquote villain setup here. The, the bad guys, I need something else besides a tap into people's darkness. Um, hopefully they do that. Hopefully there's a better story underneath there. But for now, it, it feels very... It feels very shrug. Even though, like I said, I do like Shy. I think she's cute. I like the underdog superhero concept. She's, she's very timid, and she's trying to get out there. She's trying to get that courage. She's easy to root for, really. Um, and I hope that it kind of turns something good. I like the dynamic that Shai has with Koishikawa as technically Koishikawa knows her secret. So um, hopefully that'll kind of turn something cool as well. But we'll see. For now, it's okay. It's okay. I was hoping for more, though, to be honest. Um, and then technically, visually, it's got a good style to it. And the first episode was really decent. But it's kind of bogged down quite a bit. It's, it's, gotten, it's gotten very basic in the animation department. Um, and yes, I have to take my jabs in here. Mr. Director of Scum's Wish here throwing panels up on the screen. I hate mm-hmm. he's not that bad. It's not it's not that bad. <laughs> the first episode I got really scared. I'm like, oh, crap. Here he goes with his little quote unquote, your own unique style. That's always the same. <laughs> but he's 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 not been too bad. It hasn't been too bad. So we'll see. But yeah, that's uh that's shy. That's shy. Des. Let's move on to Mickey and Dally. Unfortunately. I couldn't get Chris to watch it. Like I said, it, it's it's fine. It's, it's like I'm not I'm not selling Chris on Megan Dolly right now, but I'm like I just yeah maybe eventually probably check out an episode just because I'm curious what Chris thinks of it just because it's a uh, the the Sakamoto. I did another show for you because you Sakamoto. really wanted to know what I thought about it and you don't know what that show is. I do actually know that, that show. I, what the Kami Irabi. You really, uh, really want it? Now I'm stuck I on that stupid show. It, are you liking it? No, I'm, I I can't make up my mind if I like it or not. I can't either. We'll talk about it. I haven't watched the recent episode, though. That's the unfortunate thing. But now, Mickey to Dolly. 
This one is uh, being done by Geek Toys in Comp Town, uh, based on a manga by, of course, uh, Nami Sano, who is known for doing Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto, which unfortunately rests in peace. They recently passed away, which really sucks because I like their, I like their, I like their, the whole, their shtick. <laughs> I like their shtick. But yeah, Miggy and Dolly opens up with this orphanage, and there's these two uh, twins there, Miggy and Dolly. But it, at this orphanage, this couple comes and visit. They're like in their 50s or 60s or something like that. They're coming to the orphanage because they've never been able to have a kid their own. So they wanted to adopt one. Uh, but their whole stipulation is that they can only adopt. They can only handle one kid. They're like, we, can't, we can only do one kid. We got to stick to one kid. Uh, but as they're going to leave the orphanage, Miggy and Dolly essentially put on the coolest act possible. They chose purposely not to interact with them. They wanted to leave the biggest last impression. So as they're leaving, this gust of wind picks up the the lady's hat, and he's up there in the in the windowsill, the second floor, and catches it in the air and looks all beautiful. And then they go to get in the car, and then it quote unquote starts to rain. And as they turn on the wipers, they can see him out in the front of the car holding an umbrella over what looks like a dog, <laughs> a little puppy on the ground. They just wanted to leave this crazy first impression because Miggy and Dolly, they want to follow, they want to be adopted by these two because they heard that these two live in a specific town. Um, this specific town is one that Miggy and Dolly had grew up in before their mother was murdered. So they want to get adopted so they can go back to that town and investigate what happened to their mother. Who killed their mother? And so they put on this big act in order to get adopted. But like I said earlier, they only adopt one child. So that's when we come into play the fact that these are twins. So they pretty much have one of, the, one of them essentially be in existence all the time in front of the two of them. And every now and then, the other one who's in the shadows will trade places with them. So it always appears as if they're one person but the, uh, the other brother is essentially always hiding and they'll trade places and they assist each other the entire time. Um, that's what kind of creates a dynamic here. So you'll have them at the dinner table and, you know, Dolly is sitting there eating and then suddenly, you know, they're full and the other one's under the table hungry. So they'll do like a quick swap without the, without the uh, parents knowing that they did it. Um, all the while trying to make sure that they secure their place in this home while at the same time trying to investigate again the murder of their mother, so that's sort of the that's sort of the the setup so far, and it just kind of goes from there to them needing to meet friends because they need to check other people's houses, trying to figure out which home that they grew up in, um, and so they go and become Boy Scouts and doing different things in order to again make sure that their parents are happy with them. So that's been Miggy and Dolly so far, which is super cool. Uh, again, like I said earlier. The reason why I'm loving this show f so far is uh, the fact that this bleed, this just oozes. Haven't you heard I'm Sakamoto? For those that have never watched that show, it's basically about this this um, high schooler who everything he does is super cool. He is the most super cool dude ever. So if somebody tries to, you know, bully him, they'll pull the chair out from underneath him. He'll just like sit there in the air and he looks so cool doing it. And everybody's just like shocked by how cool he is. Um, everything that he does is amazing. This has that same feeling, the idea that the a lot of the humor in this series so far is the absurdity of how they'll do something super cool-like, but at the same time, weird and dumb. Like I mentioned earlier, the idea of one of them being under the table and the other one sitting at the table and eating is what they do is they basically grab each other's hands 
and, you know, plant each other's feet together. And then they just got this weird little loop-de-loop on the chair. Like any other situation like that with somebody, they'd probably go, oh, I dropped my spoon and they'll kind of lean over off the table and they'll just kind of dive under there while the other one gets back up. No, these ones, <laughs> them, they want to do this weird caterpillar cartwheel thing. <laughs> it's so weird. And like early in with the whole case with the, the father, he wants to, you know, put this birdhouse up and they want to bond with him. So they claim they want to put a birdhouse up, but the old man can't lift them. So they have one of them cover the eyes of the father as the other one literally used their weight to lift them up on the guy's shoulders. Um, it's just it's just weird. It's super weird. Adding to that the fact that the director, my gosh, is doing an amazing job. They did Cinderella Girls, which makes sense because Cinderella Girls was amazing as well. Um, but this director, in the, the, the studio itself, everybody working on it is doing an incredible job of creating this weirdness, this really creepy weirdness to the characters and the music and everything. There's this chorus that always plays whenever they do something crazy that just sounds ominous. Um, the visuals aren't like the craziest thing ever, but they're nailing the style. They're nailing the aesthetic and they're nailing these creepy moments these characters do. And that's honestly all I really care about. Like, I'm not really too like super interested in what happens with the mother. I'm hoping that whole story is something interesting. But what I'm getting a kick out of is just every weird thing the two of them do that just it just seems so absurd but at the same time is so funny at the same time. Like, not, not laugh, out, laugh out loud funny, but it's just kind of a... I just chuckle at it. I can't help but go, like, this is so weird. <laughs> that is so... And the two of them are so weird, too, because, like, every now and then they'll meet in their bedroom in this little, like, tent thing they they got. And the just two of them are, like, right face-to-face -face with each other as they're talking about what they need to do, um, what what's their plan, or how how well they're doing with each situation. It's, it's just too funny. Plus, the mom's weird. She's got, like... <laughs> the mom's got, like, this weird short temper... When uh when they first sat down at the dinner table, she's talking about how, oh, you need some more clothes, don't you? And he's like, no, I'd rather just keep this these clothes. Can I just get another pair of these clothes? And it's a turtleneck. And she's like, no, you should get other clothes. He's like, no, I, I like this turtleneck. And she's like, no, you're not Steve Jobs. <laughs> literally says that like in English. No, not Steve Jobs. Which is so weird. Later on, while they're cooking this, um, this apple pie, she gets like so mad and starts cussing. It's just, she's like, she just got like this really short fuse for some reason. Uh, the dad's kind of creepy too. He's he got like this desire for his son to always massage his back and he really likes it. It's just, it's bonkers. It's so weird. They have this kid that's a, I think he was a Cub Scout. Um, one of the, this little snotty kid um, gets them invited over to his house and he starts to do like horrible um, punishment games with the game that they're playing. And he puts a bunch of stipulations on it so that he keeps winning. And the other brother is watching from a distance and he knows I don't remember which one is which but say Dolly's watching Miggy and Miggy keeps losing and Dolly's afraid that Miggy's going to flip out like no you got to keep cool and eventually <laughs> Dolly gets sucked under like he crawls under the bed and the guy's out there like what are you doing and Miggy comes sneaking in so he can come back out of the bed so they switch places there and he goes let's play again and he starts slamming the kid over the head with the with the fan is just like it's so good it's just so weird it's so funny at the same time it, it's great it's great um i was i was mentioning um when i was talking to some people i i feel like this is one of those shows where if you get it you get it um i think when i first did my first impression of the show i quickly i went and you know kind of browse around on like mal and stuff like that and i kept seeing a bunch of people going what is the point of this show and i'm like it's like it's one of those cases where you're like just 
just don't it, it, like if 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 you watch the first you know few episodes and you're not getting it, don't worry about it. it it's just if you didn't see it, you missed it. But this is what it is, <laughs> and I think that's what they're going for. And like I said, it, well, it was the same feel with Sakamoto. We yeah, I was gonna say that we we didn't think that Sakamoto would work at all, and it just it became one of the funniest shows that we'd ever watched. Yeah, this one kind of turns into a Sakamoto that's super weird and creepy and bizarre, with apparently a mystery that I'm certain eventually will come up. So. Super good. Yeah, it was like later on while he was keeping that kids busy, his sister was in the other room and he was trying to check the wallpaper because their wallpaper had this certain design and they thought that it might be this house. And so he goes to check uh, uh, the sister's room and he just like at some point ends up in the arms of the, the, the sister as she's asleep and he just she's just hugging him into her chest. And so cut forward to them being back at the house. One of the brothers mad because he had to deal with the boy and the other one's super happy because he got he got his head slammed into something soft. Uh, it was goofy. It was like I said, I, I love it. I, I cannot wait for more. It's it's so good. Um, again, rest. I, I, I feel this is one of those cases where I watched Sakamoto. I loved it. I'm watching this and I'm loving it. And I'm like. God, it just reminds me that this the loss of Nami Sano is is sucks. It sucks real bad. This this person was a genius. And apparently they were working on a new project before they passed away. Like they they weren't letting their was it was it cancer? What was it that she died to? I forget. I don't remember. Whatever she was suffering with, she like she didn't even let it bother her. She's like, I'm gonna do this next project. Like she kept going, so. Oof. <sighs> Megan Dally though. It's good stuff. Definitely check it out. If that's if you like creepy. If you like super creepy stuff. Uh, okay, it's time. We've delayed it enough. We got we got to we got to wait before we talk about Freren because we want to make sure that a couple people at least you know hang around until uh, the podcast so we get the the, we'll, the listen time. Anyways, yeah, Freren Beyond Journeys in or so so no Freren. This one's on Crunchyroll. Apparently, running for two cores. Had a two hour premiere. Did you like that two hour premiere? The four episode start. That was crazy. It, it was in separate episodes for me. So. It was, yeah, yeah. I think everywhere except for that Fuji TV, wherever it's supposed to be a part of, um, had had it uh, separate. But anyways, yeah, this one's got, like, the director did Bochy the Rock. We have serious competition by the one that did One Punch Man and Naka 13. We have Evan Calls doing the music for it, which is amazing. They did Violet Evergarden stuff. Uh, but yeah, this one opens up. We, ha- we, we open up with the Heroes Party returning back to home, you know, as they're on their way. Uh, one of the the lead Himmel is pretty much like, yeah, okay, we're gonna kind of continue on with our lives. Freren, who's an elf mage, is kind of over there going, yeah, whatever, that's that's fine. They get back home, they have their big celebrations, and just before they go to you know part ways, they see this meteor shower that happens, and they're all liking it. And he, Freren, speaks up and says, you know, look, hey, um, let's get back together. I have a great place that you guys can watch the watch the um the 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 meteor shower and. It's about 50 years. You know, it happens every 50 years. So, you know, 50 years, we'll get back together, right? And the t- everybody else is like, yeah, sure, Farron. <laughs> like, in 50 years, we're going to be old or dead. Uh, but, yeah, she ends up returning after 50 years. They all go together, uh, you know, as old as all the other individuals are, out to this location. They watch the, the, the meteor shower and everything. And then cut forward. And what sort of comes from this is Farron, through conversing with, each of the individual members, which soft spoilers for the the first episode here, Himmel, who is one of the heroes, ends up passing away. Through Himmel passing, it sort of re- makes Farron realize this regret that she ends up having. As they're at his funeral, she starts to cry to herself in the idea of she wishes that she got to know Himmel more. 
she wishes that she appreciated the moments that she had with Himmel. And what sort of transpires after this is Freren essentially going on this journey through what the Heroes Party went. So she's going to retrace the steps of the Heroes Party to see everywhere that they went together and the impression that their party left upon the world itself. Revisiting all the memories that she once had that she ignored before when she was with Himmel and Hater and Aysen, the Hero Party. Um, over time, she ends up getting Fern, who is like this apprentice of Hyter, kind of pushed upon her. Later on, she ends up meeting Stark, who is the apprentice of Aysen, the dwarf warrior. Um, and so she's journeying with them, going up to the north to the essentially this heaven, this this paradise place where people go to in the north that happens to be near where the, they defeated the demon lord, where essentially people can possibly speak to people of the past. And so she's hoping that she can go there in order to meet, to talk to him also. Yeah, your your thoughts so far on, shoot, are we at eight right now, right? We're eight Pretty episodes much. in at this point. <laughs> Again, it started with four episodes and then, yeah, banger of an opening. I... Short, uh, long story short, I love it. I, this, this show hits on so many different levels. It, uh, the, I, I, I love that Andrew has these, these kind of notes over here of all these things that he's gathering from each one of these episodes. And I, and in a lot of cases, I absolutely agree. Uh, the, uh, he has things lost, regret, companionship, afterlife, sense of time, all, all these things are just up in, in encapsulated into each one of these episodes. Um, Freren, uh, as she, 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 after, after Himmel's passing, he, what she's, her sense of loss. And at the same time, her trying to find her place after these, the events of what happened, she has this almost listless, um, uh, listlessness of her not really knowing what it is she wants to do. And so she kind of, uh, finds these the she has this silly excuse to keep traveling as hunting for these um these tomes from um her basically her her master at some point um and and she chops it up to no no reason it just gives me something to do pretty she much. likes magic she likes magic it's her well, hobby. why do you like magic frerin because himmel um apparently himmel liked it because of himmel pro apparently liked the fact that she uh had so many weird uh spells or something like that and so she just picked it up as a hobby and that's what she does is why are you doing it? Because it's my hobby. And she says it in such a matter of fact way. It just, it, it, it's perfect for her. I absolutely love Freyrin. Uh, she is absolutely a brilliantly written character. She, she comes off as this character who, who lacks empathy. And at the same time, she has this, um, almost, it's almost like the the emotions are there, but it's cut off to such an extent that she has a hard time with actually accepting that anything is actually moving her in any way, shape, or form. So I really love it. I, I think it's brilliant. Um, and then getting into Fern. Fern was absolutely brilliantly written. I absolutely love her, um, her frustration with wanting to... Uh, prove that she can get to a certain point for Heiter and eventually be um, uh, trained by uh, Freren. 
um, Stark and and uh, Aeson's uh, kind of interplay and what's what's going on with them, those two characters, and and what is courage is absolutely brilliantly written uh, with uh, Stark. I, I love it. It's just through and through a great show. And oh yeah, by the way, looks beautiful. It's so freaking gorgeous, <laughs> dude. Like they they dumped some money on this thing. I was joking with somebody the other day. Like um, it, it's one of those things where you you're like can they keep this up right i I was thinking that the whole time first few episodes they they, i think they said 26 episodes for it i think or maybe they said it was going to go two cores it could it could possibly go 26 i guess um but it's one of those ones where it's like it's it's a fear that can they can they keep this up but it's like if you think about it in japan the channel that's broadcasting on is literally a a like a theatric film type uh, channel. The channel owns Madhouse, the studio, and this is the first time they're having an anime on this block. Normally, it's for live action films and stuff like that in Japan. So this was like this was like new. Like we're putting an anime in here, and so it makes sense that they're making it. They're making it super gorgeous, <laughs> and it's like and it makes sense that they need to keep the quality up because otherwise it, look, it looks bad on them. Like if suddenly you know people tune in on the channel that night and it looks terrible, that looks bad on the channel. Um, it technically does in general, but it, it's one of those things where it's like it, they, it, it almost can't fail. <laughs> and it seemed like that's the case because it's it's so freaking gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's like everything culminates again. And, and this is this is credit to the director. And again, we've seen this with Bo- Bochy the Rock with Bochy the Rock. Now, with Bochy the Rock, it felt like the director was being creative. He was going outside the scope of the manga, but it showed that he was willing to go above and beyond to portray it in a beautiful way. Like, I wanted to do something weird with Bochi and her expression, and they do this in some weird diagram or something like that, or or weird art style or something like that. And it sort of shows here in the idea that every scene is above and beyond. And then you couple that in with the musician who's just doing an incredible job. The, the violin and all that kind of stuff just freaking hits. Like, every emotional scene, the music just, oh, it just gut punches you every single time. Uh, visual spectacle, the directing, uh, perspective shots everything is just hitting on point and i cannot express that enough but yeah visuals and and music and sound and everything aside the show itself is so good and it it's one of those cases where i hype myself up a lot for the show coming into it so there was like a side of me like oh please don't be bad of course i checked out the first couple chapters which was pretty much equivalent to maybe two episodes um so i kind of i had at least an idea of at least up to the point where um himmel's passes and i it broke me just reading the manga. And so I had an idea of what it was going for. And when I got into the show, it, I guess I, even with that expectations really high, it kind of met it. And it, it's so nice when you have that high expectation because you kind of feel like crap, it's going to probably, it's probably going to disappoint me, isn't it? What I, what I love so much about the show is Ferrin. I think she is an absolutely beautiful portrayal of someone who, lives for so long they don't understand quite what normal lifespans understand as being a significant time frame she always jokes about the fact that or it was one of the jokes early on is this idea of 100 it's a mere 10 years we travel with the as a hero party for a mere 10 years well as everybody else in the heroes party is like yeah 10 years was a long time and that was that was significant for us we had so many experiences in that 10 years she's like it was just a mere 10 years. It's literally a blip for her. One one hundredth. Um, and so not having that understanding of how important those moments are, 
she didn't pay attention. That's the key thing. She just didn't pay attention. Now, you, yeah, you can sort of see it as her being emotionless, but that's not really the case. It's just that she didn't connect. She had no reason to connect. She didn't feel it that important. Um, her, her importance was finding the next magic spell and stuff like that. And yes, that's partly to do with the fact that she doesn't realize until later it was sort of why she always she was always looking for spells. But Hamill enjoyed it, and that made it, made it something that she enjoyed doing even more. It's, I don't know if you caught that. Um, later on, she ends up finding a grimoire, and they point out the fact that there's it, it implies it. They sort of imply this idea that Himmel chose to purposely go on the whims of Freren to find those spell books. They could have finished the journey as yeah. the heroes quicker. Now, I can kind of argue um, that it was partly for them there, to build up. Wasn't there an argument between Ison and him because of the yeah. fact that they were going after Because it was, it was Stark's, uh, Stark's the one that mentioned it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of imply this idea that Himmel was purposely going on her whims to find all these spells. You can probably argue that it's also so that they have plenty of time to get stronger because they're going to have to get stronger. They're going to have to get better as a team. But it sort of implied this idea that the reason why it took so long was because they were... Wanting to create memories for Farron. The statues they have everywhere. It kind of makes it like Himmel is this, you know, <laughs> narcissistic dude that wants to have this perfect yeah. pose. No, he wants the perfect statue so that she remembers that they're not a so fairy tale. She's not alone. They she never she never believes that she's a fairy tale. They kind of played off this idea that um, this legendary mage is possibly seen as a fairy tale because there's a lot of books out there, but none of them seem to be real. Well, it's because there's this idea that slowly over time, people are starting to think that she's a fairy tale. And Himmel didn't want that. I want you to always know that we were actually there. She's such a fantastic character to see how she's connecting those dots over time. And it is impacting her. It is making her realize things. And every time they hit those emotional notes, every time they do those reveals, again, everything starts to hit with this, the, the actual animation and... The music and the voice, the voicing and everything like that. It's been super great. Um, I agree. Fern's great. <laughs> Fern is literally like her mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has to drag her out of bed, clean her up, take her out to move debris off the, the ocean side. Um, always trying to, has to, has to um, <laughs> get that positive reinforcement whenever, yeah, whenever Fern she actually does it, wakes actually up do it. on time. <laughs> um, she's like, we have to praise her. We do? Yes, we do. <laughs> Come over here. Sit down. We have to praise her. Um, it's just that chemistry between Fern and Freren is so freaking fantastic. Um, over time, seeing how Freren starts to try to get things done quicker, because, again, her hanging around somewhere for two years doesn't matter much to her. Whereas Fern's over here like, please, no, we have to. Please don't waste your time. Uh, it's so great seeing how, like, with Eisen mentioned at some point, he's like, You've changed a lot because Fern is behind them, and she's like, "I guess we have to finish this quickly." Uh, Fern is actually keeping her in check. Um, their their chemistry is super good. I like Fern and her disgusted looks. You got we have to have a disgusted look Fern every single episode. It feels like yeah, uh, which is going well with Stark. Uh, she has she gives Stark lots of disgusted looks. Stark's kind of becoming the next Fern. The idea that she, he's having to discover how weird Fern is as Fern is used to it now, um, and yeah. Everything they're doing right now with the the northern territories and the the guillotine, and all that kind of stuff. I can't wait. That I'm a, I'm either. so freaking pumped for the next episode to see Kishidika. <laughs> I can't wait to meet the Kishidika of, of Freren. I don't think she's gonna be a Kishidika, but she looks like Kishidika a little bit. The purple, it's just the purple. It's just the the, the little purple. That's all. That's, that's the only thing. That's the similarity there. But 
Oh gosh, um, I can keep going. The, this show is so great. The, I love the 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 magic in the world is actually interesting as well. I I was I wasn't expecting them to get as uh in detailed. It's not going super deep so far, and they could, but they're actually putting some uh levels to the magic itself and the idea that over time it has evolved. Mankind had they talk about this one um this one demon that created this piercing spell because he's he studied it for so long. And mankind basically studied it and figured out how to counter it. And the way to counter it is to deflect it because it pierces and getting into the idea that then they basically mastered that spell. So everybody can use it now and that completely throws off this demon as he's kind of released. Um, and that kind of extends as the recent episodes are getting into the idea that demons themselves spend years trying to master a single spell. And that's kind of gives an explanation as to why each one of these demons has different abilities that they're, they're unique to them. Um, and my gosh, the, the communication of demons was so good. Yeah, I actually did. Like oh my that. gosh. <laughs> what, it, what, it, what is, what is a word? What are, what is words to demons? And well, yeah, cause they, they go to this one town and there's a bunch of demons in there and they're like, the immediately goes into combat mode and they're like, no, but they're here for peace talks. And she's like, the hell are you talking about? They don't, they they're just using you. They 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 use words to manipulate. And it goes in this whole backstory about how Hamill and all them had a run in with this one demon that kept yelling mom and everybody wanted to protect the the demon and didn't want to kill it. And oh my gosh, that that conclusion that of that backstory thing was absolutely like absolutely bizarre. Did you catch it like right after that that episode they had that whole story and it was like this whole thing where like yeah, this demon was tricking the town and they end up taking it out and just before it goes to die it yells out mom again and Freeman's like, oh, you're going back to that again. It's like, well, yeah, because mom's such a powerful word. You guys, yep. you guys hear mom and you, if for some reason you, you, you give up and we just want to, we just don't want to get killed. I laughed so hard the next episode when they literally had another demon that literally said, wait, let's talk about it. Yep. I was like, <laughs> they did. They again, that's that consistency of the writer. The writer is so consistent with this stuff. The fact I, that he said that I was like, I love that. It is such a minor detail, but it makes perfect sense. I was he actually came there to kill her. He fails, and just when he's about to die, he says, "Let's talk about it." It's like it's so consistent that these demons just believe. Just talk. That was like that one. One of the other ones was was he didn't bring up. He didn't say mom. He said father. Well, what's a dad? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. He's like, I, yeah, my father did. My, my you guys killed my father, and and so I want to get revenge but let's break that cycle and he's like okay well we'll talk later and they leave and then he goes to walk out with the other demon and she's like what's a father i don't know they just they heard father and he just caved it's so crazy how it's i it's, like that the writer is obvious about it because they could they could have totally gone this direction where you don't no, know if and, they and that, are and actually being true or not it does something different in the idea that you're seeing them actively deceiving in a I clever was, way. I was actually thinking that they were going to go in that direction. Yeah. It, the way they played it off. Basically. Yeah. And the way Ferrin they were immediately assumes they're bad when they're exactly. not actually bad. And and it felt like that was the direction that they were going in it and and it as as the episode kept con- going forward I'm like wow, they're he's making a fantastic case for her side. I mean, brilliant case for her side. And then as the as the peace talk guys get, went out in the, the hallway and they said the, the, the father thing, I'm like, <laughs> well, it happened before then. He, he OK, was, yeah, just before they had that meeting, they technically had the um, Luger. The main guy was like, that girl 
that 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 mage we ran into, she knows exactly how we are. Like she got she has us down to a T. But that's that doesn't matter. <laughs> like he literally just admits it, and then they have that meeting, and you know, it's just like like I said, the father thing. I was like, wait, but back here he said that he, they are deceiving them. Well, maybe he maybe there is a side of this that is yes, we're deceiving you, but we still want peace talks. Yeah. But then the moment he walks down that hall. What's a father? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was like, so okay, good. yeah, okay, yeah, throw that in my face. I th that was brilliantly written. I yeah. no 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 two two bones again, about it. I, back, the backstory thing I think sells it for me because it mm -hmm. was so creepy. Um we're we're just gonna keep talking about this, but it's fine. Um what I loved so much about that backstory moment was okay, she's standing in front of that flame, got the bit the daughter in their hands, turns around, and they're like we knew it. We couldn't be trusted. You killed the, the mayor. And he turns around and he says, well, I just, I don't want you to kill me. I want to exist here. But I kept seeing this lady who, she, he, that demon killed her daughter. You kept looking at me and you, you looking at me that you want to kill me. Well, I figured since I got, I killed your daughter, I'll give you this daughter and then everything's okay, right? And then Himmel's like, but no, that's the mayor's daughter. Ah, oh, crap! I messed up again, didn't I? Well, I guess I'll well, have to no, take the he, kid no, hostage. No, she said, she said she's dead. He's dead now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's it doesn't dead matter. now. <laughs> and he's like, crap! I messed up again, didn't I? Well, okay, I guess I'll have to take this kid hostage. And then Himmel just like slices off his arm and takes the kid. And then again, <laughs> Farron's like, you're gonna stop. You're not gonna stop me again, are you? And Himmel's like, no. Knocks him down. Mom, <laughs> why are you saying mom again? It it was so creepy and so disconnected. It was. It was inst it was like um it's literally like having a a vicious predator monster like an animal like a bear like a a an a, a, a super vicious aggressive bear but he's talking the whole time to you as he's coming after you like come back here and he's and he's charging you and you're like no bear you're going to kill me but no I want to talk it, it's just it's it, you see how like it's just a monster like it's just an animal but at the same time, it's speaking like a human tongue. It, it, it connected that so well. Well, I, 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 I was looking at it more along the lines of I, I think Feral, it's I guess the, the it. yeah, the, I was thinking more along the lines of I think the sociopath kind of idea. Um, the the there's a disconnect between the uh, wild whims and the trying to pretend that they they understand and empathize when they don't actually empathize they they don't get it when you when you're sitting there saying no this is not good yeah. they just plain don't understand what do you mean and i think that was the that was the disc that was the struggle there really understanding them for a second and the idea that it's like but is it trying to be peaceful and live in that town was this creature just trying to fix the situation but how it keeps progressing to, okay, well, I guess I'll do this. Okay, well, I'll go do this. It still shows that threat there and that lack for any understanding of what they did. It is a sheer lack of understanding what they do is wrong to the society they are trying to, sit, uh, to step inside of. And it, they kind of put it in the idea that they just want to not be killed by the humans. And they figured this was a way to do it. Well, you just learned your tongue in order so you don't kill us. And, and it's 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 that disconnect that kind of happens there that makes it kind of it's terrifying in a way. It's, it's kind of terrifying in a way like you kind of want to empathize with them. But at the same time, it's like, but you're not getting it. And this it can't coexist. That's that's Fermin's mindset. It just it can't coexist. We can't coexist. It's impossible. Yeah. They're 
the only reason there's the words are coming in their mouth is to deceive plain and simple and like i said I, I do appreciate that there's not like a it could go in that area of the gray area of is it Farron saying that because she just has a prejudice against them again it could have gone on that route but the writer was like no i'm i'm gonna do this thing we're gonna be fully understanding of what these characters are we're not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and pull a blanket over your eyes and go you don't know yet do you you don't know yet no the the the, the writer's like this is them and let's do something cool with it and it, it like i said it nails it i almost wonder how is, is this one of those cases where i'm like again i read the manga up to that point where himmel passes and it is one of those ones where i kind of want to go back and check the manga and to see if is this one of those cases where this this adaptation is just taking it to another level like, I wonder if I would get enough that kind of feel from that backstory of that demon by reading it. Or if that just, they nailed that scene. <laughs> I think it's it's probably both. But anyways, um, anything else? <laughs> anything else? The Yeah, the dragon the dragon fight was great. Holy crap, that animation. The one yeah. he's on the side of the face and it's, it's looking around, it's like flinging its head around. You can kind of see the horizon behind him. Oh, it was so good. The velocity, like him holding on there, it was just so freaking good. I absolutely loved that they pulled the, off the, um, showing that the 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 flag the 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 flag had been pat the torch had been passed the next generation. I absolutely loved yeah. how they pulled that off because I literally well, you want to save him, go do it. Yeah, it, <laughs> Fern's it, like dragon way. <laughs> it, it it was one of those that. I was I I I I was fully expecting that the other characters would be involved in that. I, I don't want to reveal too much on that. For anybody who hasn't actually watched it, go watch it. Um, the the going into kind of the past, like that, like I said, the the story between Stark Stark and uh, and Ison was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved how that all. He was afraid of him. Yeah, because he was afraid of him and all that stuff. I, I really love that they the the way that there there was that dialogue between uh Freren and and Ison and they they were talking about you know, is he a good warrior and all that stuff and then um and then this all culminated together on that on that one moment in that being with the dragon is okay and then and then you see the torch being passed and it, it wasn't it, not an actual physical torch being passed but he, there's what? this moment. <laughs> there was an actual torch. It's probably one of Fern's um, spells. It, there was this moment that you go, okay, the student had 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 surpassed the the um, the the teacher, and and it was just brilliantly done. I I loved it. I I, I do appreciate the fact that the humor so far in it has been really good. It's not like crazy slapstick kind of humor. It's just very subtle. Uh, humor that kind of pops up and yeah a lot of it's to do with how quirky Farron is like she's just a goofball and I love that because it kind of not expecting it to constantly be showing you her progression into understanding what she's lost and her regrets and all that kind of stuff but at the same time having those those quirks of her that does kind of play into uh, the silliness that Farron is like again waking up and you know Farron, Farron having to drag her down the street to go do their job or um, there was another one with oh yeah the 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 see through spell <laughs> the see through I I kept wanting to bring out the see through spell sorry so I, cool. sorry not <laughs> sorry nothing important and uh, nothing good enough underneath here that's that's excites you and then looks at the start too small too small <laughs> too small 
uh, super good. She's there, There's a lot of like little goofy little, like like I said, especially Fern and Stark. They're just constantly Stark. Just I feel bad for Stark, but at the same time, I love Fern being like that to Stark. It's like I feel bad for Stark because he's not a he's a good he's a good boy. Um, and he doesn't he's not like abrasive or anything like that, so he doesn't really deserve it. But at the same time, I, I get a kick out of Fern being like that. So. Yeah, I, I could go on and on with this show. I, I've literally done an episode-by-episode episode impressions of it, and I love every single week covering this show because there's just so much to dive into. It's like every time I go another week, it's like there's not going to be some, nothing in this episode. And sure enough, there's something crazy. Like this recent episode is like, uh, probably going to be an action episode, probably a bunch of fighting. And then, yeah, you have like the baton pass. And I'm like, holy crap, that was so good. I love that. <laughs> I love that part. And then, yeah, getting technically into everything around the, the demons and stuff has been super good. So I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's easily, easily my number one of the season so far. Apothecary Diaries tried to get there, but it ain't. It ain't. It hasn't. It's not. I don't there. know. I think it's a little too early for me to decide on. It's only. Day. It's only an episode. It's too early to decide. You mean for all the rest of the shows? Of all the all. The it's shows kind of leaving season. the rest of them in the dust. So it's. It is kind of unfair. It is really a, a, a fantastic show. I but will not deny that. At least we don't have to worry about it being in the anime wars this year. We'll have. To, we'll put off Freren <laughs> until next year because it's going to go to course. Um, it would have been easy though. But yeah, that's Farron. If you're, if you're not watching it yet, shame on you. Shame on you. Let's move on to something else. We should give some other shows some attention, right? Or you just want to keep talking about Freren for the rest of the podcast? I think that'll probably upset some people. The, the two people that don't like Freren because it's too uh, it's too popular. It's what it, overrated. Because Freren's oh, so sure overrated. I'm sure there's somebody <laughs> who's, who's going for that. No, what was annoying was like when it first came Let out. Let me tell you how, how bad here, of a show Freren is. Here's my it, theory. <laughs> here's my theory. There was a lot of controversy around Freren when it first aired. And I think I blame certain content creators, which I don't know exactly who started it. What my theory happened is that Mushoko Tensei aired. And a lot of content creators were basically getting a lot of views off of Mushoko Tensei. It was popular. A lot of the fans love talking about it, so they love checking out videos for it. The moment that Mushoko Tensei ended, Freren started. So what they did is they tried to equate the two. That Freren is the Mushoko Tensei of the season, and so there was certain people trying to make it out as if Freren's story is similar to Mushoko Tensei in some way. And I think what that did is caused people that were massive fans of Mushoko to go check out Farron, and it's not the same thing. Farron is not Mushoko Tensei. It's a fantasy that's about the only connection you can make. There is regret, but it's different types of regrets. There is nothing other than that that symbolizes the similarity between the two of them. And so it caused people to have expectations for a Mushoko-type story in Farron, and then people started hating Farron because it wasn't Mushoko Tensei. And I... It was one of those things where I'm like, why are we doing it? I fought with myself for like the first at least two weeks of Farron coming out, not making a video games. People shut up and stop trying to connect this to Mushoko Tensei. It just let it go. <laughs> Watch it or don't. I'm sick of seeing comments about this or Mushoko Tensei. Uh, it was bizarre. I don't know if I, I doubt you've seen any of that. Chris is mm. Chris is lucky enough not to get in those circles. Every now and then I fall into it, and I don't want to. Plus, it get, drags in the Discord every now and then. I'm like, don't do that here. Get it out of here. I don't want that discussion in here. Get it out. Did you watch I'm in Love with the Villainous? Uh, the first episode or two. First or two episodes. I don't even know. I don't remember how far I went into it. Um, I think where I left off, 
she I think I think I only watched two episodes of it. I think I only watched two episodes. Yeah. I'm in love with the villainous or Watashi no Oshi wa Okuyaku Reijo. This one is uh based on a light novel. Genres are comedy, fantasy, and romance. Essentially opens up with a Ray Taylor. Well, it opens up with this office worker who ends up dying or being transported into the body of Ray Taylor, which Ray Taylor is the main protagonist character of this game called Revolution. And she immediately knows who she is because right next to her is Claire Frenchois. Frenchois? Frenchois. It's Frenchois, isn't it? It's French. Isn't it Frenchois? Uh, I don't know. It's just Claire Sama. It's Claire. It's Claire. <laughs> That's all she says is Claire Sama. Yes, exactly. Her, her last name is Sama. <laughs> but yeah, she's she immediately knows who she is because of the fact that Claire's right next to her, or where she's as it is anyways. Um, I take it back. I took I watched four episodes. Really? Uh yeah. but yeah, she she immediately is in is like, wow, Claire's right next to me because she absolutely loves Claire. Which Claire is the villainous of the story itself. So she immediately is like following Claire everywhere. Even though Claire is like actively treating her terribly because Ray Taylor in the the game, which is who she is now was being bullied by Claire because she's a commoner and she's the main character of a game with a villainous character. And she's, um, the, Ato- she's the Atome heroine. But yeah, she's constantly falling on Claire saying, you know, treat me bad more because I like it because I love you so much. I love you, Claire. Eventually, she becomes her uh, maid and starts falling around that way. Um, all the You've while, Claire just wants to... you watch more than ...wants her two. to leave me alone. So... Yeah, I got to kick out that whole scene where he, she... There's, there's, they're trying to find a maid for Claire... And so she goes immediately and signs up for it. And they have the interview and Claire's like, hell no, not going to happen. Get the hell out of here. And the, the father comes in and she's like, hey, father, I, or, or Claire's father, can I talk to you for a minute? And then she mentions something about probably something. Probably something with super the Super secret game, that's in yeah. the game. And he's like, uh, Claire, uh, she's going to be your new maid. <laughs> she's like, what, dad? And I'm thinking to myself, and... I hope it's the assumption is that it's like some super like deep, dark secret about his company or, or his wealth or something like that. And it's like, you're going to end up dead. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't go. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. And then like two days later, Ray ends up showing up dead. <laughs> like Ray Taylor suddenly disappeared from the skull. And they found her body in a lake nearby. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. She starts working as her maid and did you see the, her did you see around. the slime? I don't, recall a slime now okay that was the fourth episode so the the maid episode was episode three here here's here's the thing with this show i was super excited about this one uh if i remember right i put it in my villainous show yeah it of all the, the the villainous shows this one did not work for me um there is another villainous show that i'm absolutely loving desua but it is not this one um this There's one, no other villainous show this season. You're crazy. <laughs> She's not quite a villainous. I, I admit it. Um, it's not an Atome game. That's really what it is. Right. I. I know, I, one, I know one that I like. Soon dead at least. At least lot was great. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> but that was, that's not this season. <laughs> it's like go watch villainous least a lot. Not this show. Well, that, that was that was winter last year. Holy crap, dude. I or winter I, this year. I was super excited about this one. Going into it, I literally the watched that first episode, and I, I think me and Andrew had, uh, were getting ready to do a podcast, and I I looked over at it, and I said, I... He always I looks over at me first. It's weird. Yeah, I look over at Andrew, and I say, <laughs> I... And, and I, I said it like this. Andrew. He looked over at me, and then he said that. 
and Andrew. Then I, then I looked and, at the, and I threw oh, my yeah. hands up at Andrew and I said, Andrew, I was very disappointed at, uh, in Villainous. I um, was disappointed. I was disappointed. Okay. Now, over the course of the couple of episodes, maybe you can say it's some Stockholm Syndrome crap or something. I've, I've kind of eased off on it. I don't hate it as much. But it's still not, I, I, I still am wanting more out of this. It, here's the, the biggest problem I have with this is probably Ray. Ray is not working for me in any way, shape, or form. She's, her, her, um, her M trait, if you want to call it that, is really obnoxiously annoying. Her, her constantly begging, uh, uh, Claire to, um, basically berater is really kind of annoying i kind of want some growth and and that's that's why i say maybe that's why i'm starting to it feels like it's not getting as it's not as annoying as it used to be because claire seems to be chilling out on it a bit um and so in turn ray seems to be chilling out on her constantly exclaiming please by all means step on me um so but that's all that there has been in this the the last few episodes is literally Ray doing something, Claire's getting mad, Ray's complaining or telling her that how how skeeta she is about her, and now she's a maid and then slime attack. So it is what it is. I hopefully it will continue to wait, actually wait. get to something. Does does the slime introduce etchy elements? No. Oh, okay, never mind. It All just right. it just made Claire look really cool. It, oh, it, because uh, cool. because Ray Ray chose the uh, unknown fifth fifth option that chose her, so she ended up being the hero of the the battle. Yeah, that was that was one of those kind of uh, interesting elements kind of added to the the mix of it that you kind of are intrigued by. Again, this kind of goes to that whole element of the villainous isekai is that it's typically it's either you isekai as the villainous or it's just about how the characters love the villainous. Um, they love these. They, the storytelling around Atome games is always around the villainous. And like I said, I really, really enjoyed um, Lee Slot a lot because it had that whole, you know, ringlets, sundere uh, type of joke that was really well executed on it. I felt like that show got a little repetitive at some point in there, and I think this is kind of having the same suffering here, is that it's just I love the villainess. The villainess is super cute. Look how she responds to you loving the villainess, and oh, I love seeing that reaction because she's not used to being loved. Um, it's kind of in that realm so far with me, and so I have hopes that it'll eventually get to something interesting, which my only assumption would be in the idea of how she's trying to avoid flags with the, other, the male interest because she ends up catching their interest even though she doesn't want their interest. She wants... She wants Claire. Um, and I, I hope that could possibly do something, but I'm not really getting anything with Ray and Claire. I think Claire's cute, but yeah. all Sundere villainesses are cute. <laughs> that's, not, that's not giving it much credit. Uh, it's just an archetype that's fun. And it, whether I, or not it'll do something is the interesting, is the question. I absolutely agree. I, I think that the, 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 the slime battle was literally the, if that's what they're going to do, I think it could work. It, it, that's about the only thing that this show has got going for it is literally forcing the fifth option. And so, yes, that could work. I, I think it could, I, it might be fun to see that as the option. 
Um, literally, like Andrew was saying, she's constantly that, that is one of the side things that it, it is tossed in here and there is her kind of dodging, um, dodging flags. So that is kind of one of those fun things that is kind of unique to this show, but it's so bogged down by the, the interplay between those characters. Um, but yeah, it, it could be, it could be fun. And yeah, that this is one of my desuas of the season, oddly enough. <laughs> like, there's like three desuas. Four. Is it four? Yeah. The what one that the I told you not one? to watch. Oh, I don't count then. <laughs> uh, let's see here that's, a, that's a, I'm in love with the villainess uh, Innocent Shadow second season have you been enjoying that I guess we don't really have to get into too much detail though, but you've been enjoying the new season of that yes I um, really took like me, the first took me a while arc. to get to I'm it I'm not but... sure about this next arc though at least the first episode of this next arc was not not big for me I I, mean, I got a kick out of the a, a rare Sid making me laugh moment with him freaking out about the the copying the currency thing <laughs> is that how you really feel? is that how you really feel <laughs> but uh really delta <laughs> saved that episode i loved seeing delta i was like it's delta i miss delta <laughs> but no the first arc was obviously around the um the queen of vampires and uh mary and claire claire stuff i love that last episode of that arc having a certain somebody show up with claire at the very end i was super mass hype i was like I forgot how much I love this other character that that essentially is inside of Claire for a moment. Um, Roku, Roku, I was, Roku. I was super. She's like, hold on a second. I got I had to unbutton the shirt. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's gotcha. too tight. Um, but no, I, I loved her. Her showing up that was super massive hype for me. But um, as per usual, didn't really care for the. the I wife, was kind of the roundup always glad. is disappointing to me, and in, in the end, I was kind of glad that they didn't kind of just dump that character. I was kind of glad they, yeah, they... you knew that they were going to save it. You got to have all the cute ones in the show. <laughs> you can't kill any cute ones. <laughs> they have to stick around forever and ever and ever. Um, but no, it's like I, I, I got, I was, I, the intriguing thing that kind of came from that whole segment was the aspect of the, um, the corrupt and the progenitors and how that all kind of mixes together and how it's kind of all tied in together, question mark. Um, I thought that stuff was pretty fascinating. At the same time, it it's it still isn't catching me with Sid. And I, I, I'm always really open about that. With I don't think you've ever liked Sid. <laughs> um, I I don't like Sid alone. He's is really kind what of, is. He's, I don't he's care this, for Sid alone. He is weird in the 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 fact that he is the story, and at the same time, he's kind of this annoying aspect of the story that. <laughs> You kind of just. Well, and it, and it, you wish he had a different I've personality understood. for what he is. Yeah, I I kind of want. I come to. I came to an agreement. I came to an agreement with a lot of people when I was doing impressions of the first season. It's like I came to this understanding with everybody. Like, let's just let's we, we let's get this out in the air. I'm not a massive fan of Sid. I like when Sid with other with other characters because it has like a, a it's got like a Einzon Gold kind of thing going on where he 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 says something and they misinterpret it, or they'll do something and he just kind of runs his own direction. Um, but I've always loved the side characters. Yeah. I loved this season. Loved what they're doing with Claire. I was like, holy crap, they're doing something with Claire. I was massive hype about that. Um, I love all these characters. I think they're super fascinating. I think the world itself is fascinating. It's just, I don't 
like even with the whole joke with the I got a kick out of the fact that he was starting to mimic uh, what Mary said. Yeah. I got a, I laughed at it like three I, times. It just became stupid repetitive. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's like the, the first three times I'm like, this is so funny because he's just going around and everybody's like, who are you or what the hell's going on? And he just goes like, it is time. It is time. <laughs> it is the happening. Frenzy the frenzy is frenzy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's funny. And then like literally by the end of it, I'm like, oh, please stop. You're please doing stop. it again. <laughs> it's like it's like the Kirito guy, his friend that's always like getting racking up debt. That's been his joke this whole uh, season too. It's like, please stop. I, I he's not funny. And when he and when he became a ghoul, I was like, oh, they're gonna cure this. They, they this writer's not gonna kill that character off. He's this writer's not gonna kill that character off. Um, but no, it's like I I I fully let people know that, and so I don't let it really dictate my enjoyment. Um, so I, I've been kind of just focusing all the other stuff, which I found interesting. The biggest, I think, upset for the season so far has been the fact that when the first season ended, I was like, here we go. We're going to see Shadow Garden. Like, we're going to watch Claire or Rose. I'm sorry. Rose, as she joins Shadow Garden and she's going to get trained and everything, right? Cut forward. She's already trained, apparently. And I'm like, we're not even going to show it. (laughs) No, we're doing vampires, which, okay. I'll do vampires. Um, there, know, it's, there, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I've been in, I've been enjoying this season. I'm again. I'm not too sure. The first episode of this next core, of this next arc. I'm like, we'll see. I still, I still love the fact that it, it kind of still the the world seems to be kind of shaping itself to his delusions. I still love that that is part of what it feels like as far as the show is concerned. So it, I, I'm still absolutely loving it. And yeah, Sid is kind of this weird anomaly that I love and hate at the same time. You know something that he did? The only thing I think, honestly, that he's done this season that I really didn't like. He got offered a hundred Beast Girls and he's like, no, I want to go forge bills, right? (laughs) No, I don't want to get involved with you, Delta, and your hundred Beast Girls and taking over the drive. I'm too busy for counterfeiting bills. (laughs) Like that's what he wants to do. Uh, he's special. He's a special man. I'm just, I'm just curious of why he's helping Yukime. Like he really, he's like, he's literally gonna take down the company. And it's like, why are we doing that? Like, did I miss a conversation somewhere? We'll see. Anyway, that's that's Image and Shadow second season. It's still, still going strong. I think that's going for two cores too. It probably would. I'm assuming. I don't, I don't think they've said otherwise. Anyways, uh, Noble Lady, you watched Noble Lady, didn't you? You no, had I didn't. <gasps> Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, are you planning on it? I, I It depends on what you say. <laughs> Guess we'll find out. We'll find out if Chris is going to watch it. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm giving the noble lady a lesson in naughtiness. Um, where is it at? I have way too many shows in this document. It takes forever to... It's it, it, it's literally, that's the noble. issue, is there's so many daggum shows. It's no. like, I'm trying desperately to yeah. catch up on stuff and... Cancel. Uh, last I'm already considering dropping a few, but I, I, I'm, I'm, and now Pluto we're, dropped. <laughs> we're going and to Pluto is at, like 20 episodes length. At some point, me and Andrew are probably going to start uh, divvying some of the lesser wanted shows to each other. I'm probably going to keep watching that stupid show that I, I told Andrew not to watch. And please stop. Just don't. Like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Why are you watching it? Because it's weird. Because <laughs> it's, weird. <laughs> it's weird. So was God app. It's apparently. kind of in this weird, this 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 area of, 
I want to watch it because it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving I'm giving the disgraced noble lady a rescue. I rescued a crash course in naughtiness. I'll spoil her with delicacies and style to make her the happiest woman in the world. Is it cute? That's all I care about. Yes, Kanyaku Haki Sareta Rejo wo Hirota Orega Ikanai Koto wo Oshi Kumo. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Komu. Komu. I got it wrong. Anyways, no, this one opens up with uh, this disgraced noble lady, uh, Charlotte Evans, as she's fleeing some guards. As we find out later on, uh, she got betrayed by this count or something like that and claimed that she was doing some evil things and she was supposed to be captured. She ended up fleeing, uh, fleeing to the nearby forest where uh, she collapses and Alan Crawford, who is seen as many from many people as being the demon lord, like everybody's afraid of going out in the forest where his, his little mansion is because they're afraid he's going to kill them. Um, he shows up and pretty much brings her in, fights off all the... Or puts all the 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 knights to sleep and then erases her memory from their minds, makes them believe that she's dead and to leave. And then he takes her back to his mansion where he pretty much quickly realized this girl is really nice. Like she just got wronged horribly by this kingdom and he's reading the news and everything like that. And he's like, why is she not angry? And so he's kind of the type that just kind of does something because he finds something interesting in it. Like he just, all he does in the forest is just do a bunch of different studies and stuff like that. And, uh, so he decides that he's going to pretty much make it his mission to like the title age you believe, make her naughty, make her do things that gives her something to want to fight back. Like again, it, he, it frustrates him that he doesn't understand why he doesn't find all the, he was mistreated horribly by her parents. Like she, they've been basically treating her like a maid. Um, and he doesn't understand why she doesn't get angry about it. So he's going to teach her how to do, teach her the, the naughtiness in life. So it starts off by him buying a boatload of desserts and just saying, we're going to eat all these sweets. And she's like, but we have dinner. We can't eat all these sweets. And he's like, no, eat it all. We're going to eat all these sweets. Don't care. Just do it. Um, then he ends up having this one um, delivery lady shows up and she has this little catalog and he gets this master idea from the catalog he ends up ordering a gigantic punching bag and it has the photo of the the mean guy that uh betrayed her and tries to get him to punch the bag and she couldn't do it and then he ends up using a spell to force her to punch him just to get it out of her system it's just kind of one of those things where it's like again the, the idea here is that he doesn't understand why she thinks the way she does like he's all about like yeah if somebody wrongs me i'm gonna I'm going to make them pay for it. Um, whereas she is too pure. This girl is too damn pure. Like she just, she's just like cleaning up the house. He's like, you don't have to do that kind of stuff. You know, relax. You don't have to do that. She just wants to help out. And again, she doesn't find any sort of malice in other people that he does. And so it's just kind of trying to teach those things to her in a sense. So yeah. Um, my thoughts on the show so far, I, I'm liking it a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, when we when we looked at this in the previews, I was like, this is a Chris show. <laughs> I'll check out an episode, but it's probably a Chris show. This is probably going to be one of those perfect waifu, um, all about, you know, oh, she ate a cute sweet, and now she's super naughty, right? Um, I thought it was, it, it didn't, the, the title and everything gives me the impression that the show is just not going to have any substance to it. 
But I, to be honest, it's just, it kind of works in that I'm not getting anything from Charlotte. She's cute. She's too pure. But she's, she's there. She's fine. What sort of works really well to kind of make this whole show work is that Alan has sort of that diabolical, but he's not actually evil mentality. Like, this is one of those guys that it's like he's a Chuny character. Like, he's just in his head about, like, I'm going to do this thing. And it's so stupid. It's that kind of chemistry that's going on is that he's constantly thinking of these crazy things that he really badly wants to have her do. And it seems more diabolic than it actually is, which kind of plays in the whole idea that everybody thinks that he's a demon lord when he's not. He's just a dude that's in a in his little mansion doing his studies and selling that that research to other people. That's how he makes his money. He just has everything that he needs and he just kind of wants to be left alone. But he's just in his own mind all the time with these master plans that he finds so diabolical and it's not really technically that diabolical. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have the greatest plan. I'm definitely going to make you naughty this time. And it's like literally open up this big box and it's just a punching bag with a guy's face taped on it. It's just like, okay, I'm definitely going to make you naughty this time. Voila. And it's a bunch of stupid sweets. It's 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 so much more grander in his own mind, I guess, is the, the, the funny that I get out of the show. I think his personality... Just sells it. And the say you for him is really selling it. Again, yes, on the side is that aspect that he's trying to change this girl that's way too damn pure for her own good. Um, and it all kind of works. It, it works out really well. No, it's not like a show that I'm like craving for the next episode. Like I'm, oh gosh, I need the next episode now. It's just one of those shows that when I watch it, I I find myself enjoying it. And not that it's doing anything incredible, but at the same time, it just has a really good chemistry there. And again, a main character that just seems to be selling the shtick really well. So, yeah, much more, much more enjoyable than I thought it would be. I am, I'm quite impressed by it. So, yeah, I suggest at least an episode of it. Probably sold. Not that, not that I <laughs> can say you should, you should, you can fit it. Uh, you'll, you'll have to give me a list. Your stupid show about the the guide or whatever. Yes, get rid of it. Watch this show instead. <laughs> there, I gave you a show to replace it with. You're welcome. Uh, let's go on to 16-Bit Sensation. Did you get a chance to watch that one? No. That one is... That one's a keeper. 16-Bit Sensation, I think, was the one of the ones... Yeah, it was one of the ones that I was, like, super hyped for. And it was, like, the PV. The PV sold me. I was like, holy crap, I gotta watch this show. Uh, but, yeah, 16-Bit Sensation, Another Layer. Um, this one is running for 13 episodes, done by Studio Silver, based on a manga, comedy slice of life is the genres. Um, this one being is the creator for this one is uh, Tamaki Wakaki, who of course created World God Only Knows. Uh, this, of course, it, it, the concept here is that it, apparently it was based on people's experiences working for Aqua Plus, which Aqua Plus, who is the publisher for like Leaf and stuff like that, did like Two Heart Two and Hutuwatamano. So they kind of know a little bit about the like the visual novel industry. Uh, but no, Sixteen Bit Sensation Under the Layer opens up with uh, our main character, who is uh, Kanaho. And Kano, Kanoho is a massive, massive fan of the shoujo games. She loves cute girls. She loves all those old visual novel games with these stories about some cute girl that has some sort of troubles that she faces and she fights to grow and, and overcome difficulties. You know, Kanon, uh, Klanod, that type of stuff. Those old, those old shoujo games. And she's working for her, basically doing her dream. She's an illustrator and she's working at a visual novel company. But unfortunately... The company she's working at 
just makes bargain bin Eero stuff. Like, they just do, like, time stop... Uh, no, hypnosis MILF stuff, I think, is what they were working on. <laughs> so it's like these really crummy Eero games that just go in a bargain bin somewhere, really cheaply made. Um, and she's just upset because she wants the company to make those massive, epic visual novels of grand stories of cute characters and stuff. Um, but yeah, as she's kind of upset about this whole situation, she's realizing the... Really, it's kind of a, a little bit of into the concept that the the world of Bishojo games and stuff is sort of dying in its current form. Kind of getting into the idea that everybody just experiences these stories and stuff through... It's all in gacha games now. It's in it's in uh, anime. Nobody you know plays visual novels anymore. So yeah, she's a little bit upset about this. She ends up finding this little shop that's selling like like a copy of like all these old like rants and and Canon and stuff like that in like mint boxes inside of this bargain bin for like a hundred yen. And she goes to the store clerk and's like, why is there, why are these in this bin? You realize how expensive you could sell this for online. And she's like, no, I, I have this old lady's like, no, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. What is that? And she's like, you don't know what this is. It's this. Can you explain it to me? Yes, I could explain it to it. She goes on this big tirade about Canon and how the story is so amazing and tells this old lady about it. She's like, you really like these games, don't you? She's like, yes, I do. Um, but yeah, kind of talking to this old lady, um, she kind of just, the old lady realizes, you know, you really like these, you really like these games, don't you? And she's like, no, it's not that I like the, it's not just the games, it's not just the cute characters, it's just the stories that it tells. She, again, she kind of dreams that her, or wishes that her illustrations that she makes, these, these cute girl that she created will one day be able to become, you know, have the life breath, breathe, breathe into it in a video game. But yeah, she eventually comes back later on and the shop's gone. She's like, crap, there's no way this lady moved out this quickly. She goes inside there and ends up finding this note in this bag, and the bag's full of all a few of the really, you know, old games that were in the store that she just seen. Uh, she ends up opening one of them, and it te teleports her to 1992, where she goes back to her, her workplace for some reason. She doesn't, she doesn't go back to her, you know, her parents or anybody that she knows. She goes to her work. <laughs> uh, but at the, her work, she finds this alcohol. I forget what it was called. I think it was Alcohol Inc. or something like that. Um, which is a, a game company, and they're they're making a shoujo game. And she tells them that she's from the future, but they don't believe her, obviously. Uh, but then she quickly asks if she can, you know, work there. She'll work for free as long as she gets, you know, make a shoujo game. Uh, and you know, so yeah, she finally gets to experience making games that she loves so much from the past, and quickly realizes it's very difficult to make games in the past compared to her tablet and stuff like that. She gotta she gotta learn how to click them pixels. She got that old paint program. She gotta she got to click those pixels. She only got 16 colors to work or 15. Technically they do. They do 15. She only got 15 colors to work with. She got to, she got to learn how to that skill that, um, that dithering and to make those characters in in 16 bit. Uh, but yeah, it kind of gets into the, the there's a, there's obviously a lot of difference that she's running into working at this, this company, 1992 versus the current time, 2023. And the idea that, yeah, like if the technology is different, they have to scan in things and then try to convert it to grayscale. And then, color them in um it's getting into the programming and stuff like that and this the kind of very homey nature that she's feeling with the dev group that she's working with now and how much camaraderie they all have um to offset her you have this guy uh mamaru rokuta who is the programmer who's working there because his dad owns a company and he's sort of the opposite in the idea that he doesn't like it he thinks that it's a fad that visual novels are going to go away soon enough and that he wants to work for a real gaming company so 
yeah, it's a, it's a lot to get into. Well, the other side thing is that eventually she pops back in the modern times and then it kind of jumps forward a little bit, um, story wise. So it gets a different technologies and stuff like that. So, but yeah, my thoughts on it so far, it's, it's sorta, <laughs> I gotta be very clear. Cause people hate whenever I compare things, it's sort of like sure Bako for visual novels. Like I love that aspect of it. It's, it's such a, it's such a look into how these games were made. And honestly, I, I, I can make my assumptions about how these games are made based on my knowledge of gaming and programming and, and imagery and stuff like that, that I can see how it all comes together, but it's so cool to kind of see it from the eyes of people that, you know, obviously we're in the industry and know a little bit about it. The kind of, um, the processes, the difficulties they run into the errors, the bugs, all that kind of stuff, the debugging, that kind of stuff, the limits that certain things have, how you can't put too much, uh, too much here. Otherwise it breaks the code, even though the code is technically functioning properly. Um, there's a lot of like insights into that industry that I love mixed in. There is the sheer like ganky nature that is Konoha, which I've already seen a few people are kind of bugged by her. She's, she's had the, the best way to describe her is she's legit Kaguya from Kaguya. Someone loves war. It's her say you, um, the internal Kaguya, whenever she's like super squeeing and getting excited all the time, <laughs> it's like, take that, that it is actually in a self within Kaguya. Take that one, that form. And she's kind of, uh, Konoha. So, um, I love her. I, I find that she's super passionate. It comes out that she's just super passionate about the game itself and the, the, the shoujo games and cute girls. And she's just high energy in that regard. And so I love it for it. Um, but I, I can see people getting, being a little bit off put by that. I don't Maybe know. you, you might've actually brought me on board just because of her saying <laughs> she's so cute. I love it. I love her um, voice. But no, it's like you technically can say that that is a negative. And I, I think if people are too bugged by it, maybe wait for a dub. Um, but because it kind of is worth it in the idea that this is such a such a great look into the industry itself and the passion that people have for it. I love that that kind of meta that something like this is literally making a argument against how a lot of companies are moving away from visual novels and sort of incorporating them into other things. Like they, they, they point out the, I mean, it's so funny cause this is literally like there's Anaplex all over the place for this show. Um, it's, I think obviously Anaplex, um, is producers for it. So you'll see like, she's in the town and stuff like that. You'll see fake grand order stuff on the wall. You'll see, um, <laughs> uh, Madoka Mag uh, Magia record stuff on the wall. You'll see a lot of advertisement for like Saikano, how to raise a born girlfriend. Um, her room is just plastered with a one pictures, licorice coils all over the place. Um, her room is literally a one pictures. And, uh, what's funny about that is it like she, at some point kind of detests the idea that these, these mobile games are what's popular now. And like, she gives this, this like glared look at a fake grand order poster. And then she goes home and there's literally Mag Magia record character uh, stickers on her shelf. And it's like, come on, be, be a little aware there, Anaplex. Um, but I, but I like that kind of look into the idea of how this is a lost art. It is sort of pointing it out. Now there's authority stuff on the walls and stuff like that. So they're still kind of showing that this is a thing, but it is kind of one of those self, self-aware things that the story is telling. And the idea that this is a, a death of something that a, a death out of an industry, basically it's, it's the watching the death of the industry and how Kanaha herself cannot accept that she doesn't like where it's going. And now she's given a chance to kind of re-experience it. 
and you're seeing that love and passion that the characters have for the art of creating these visual novels and these stories that people adore. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun in that regard. I will admit, um, after the first return, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, I was kind of getting annoyed by how much time they were putting on Mamoru and that whole that whole uh, difficulty that Konoha was facing and dealing with him. Uh, but I'm hoping it'll it'll kind of steer back into what I've been enjoying for the series so far. But I haven't watched this last week, so I'm I'm hoping it'll it'll correct itself because, like I said, the first first few episodes I was really enjoying. So yeah, super good, super super enjoying it. Hopefully it hopefully it keeps holding strong going forward. So yep, Kaguya Sama in the past making Adderall games. <laughs> That's sixteen bit sensation. Get God app. Okay, Chris, it's time. God app. <laughs> you can finally talk about the show that I'm... I don't remember telling you to watch it. I think I told you to watch one episode because it, yeah. it was weird. And then you just got sucked in, eh? Yep. Just got... <laughs> just got sucked in. I... I'm gonna have so much fun explaining. That it's story. one of those. It's one I of those. Almost, you watch that watch first episode. <laughs> you watch that first episode, and you go, "Did that just happen? Uh, did that just happen?" <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say. I kind of want you to tell the story. <laughs> Can you explain what God App is, Chris? Uh, the amazing new anime CGI anime done by the creator Yoko Taro, who of course is known for creating Near, which is a is a, he's an interesting individual. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> CGI dude, like, has a crush on chick, and she's a CGI chick, and they, they... The, the CGI he, is literally nothing to do with the story, <laughs> he's just saying the visual design is CGI. They're like, wait, so it's a computer game? Like, they're in a computer world? Yeah, because CGI's, and um, so, anyway, dude has a crush on chick, um, and he really, really wants to get together with her. And then at some point, he gets this weird app on his phone, which is kind of the setup of several um, of those shows. Anyway. Death game. So, <laughs> anyway, the, um, he, the, the app asks him if, uh, to make a wish. He wishes to do something, quote unquote, Etchy. naughty Etchy. With, with Homegirl. And so they... They go to his buddy's place where he knows that he, they're not going to be bothered. But she doesn't have a family, so I don't know why he didn't go to his house. But it doesn't matter. Um, no, he does have a family because she... Never mind. Um, <laughs> you forgot the part where his, his the, the friend mama, had him yeah. record him jump off the side of the school. Which, that's some reason yeah, that, that, ended that, up that, on there, the internet. There's, there's that, that got him expelled. She thought it was her fault because he essentially was trying to show her out. Andrew's an taking over my, my story. But I'm, it's you. important to know that because that was the reason why she came to go I, I thought them. that the important part was the was the girl, okay? Yes, we all know the etchy part. Because <laughs> the etchy part. The wish fulfillment, <laughs> the of, wish fulfillment. <laughs> of the death game does happen. <laughs> Tell us, Chris, what happened? He He plays <laughs> for a little bit in front of homegirl <laughs> well at first she was like and then he, well, and you then he looks do this right super he looks super relieved while he's doing it. he looked so confused <laughs> he was like why is this happening but i kind of like it it was like <laughs> it was the stupidest face and of course then you have lol, lol pops out going congratulations <laughs> and he's on the, 
And she's just sitting there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that was weird. Then then girl like stabs a knife into a daggum bargain bin uh like meat thing. No, he stabs it into a dude that gets killed by a oh, yeah, telephone he, she, pole. She does first. that too. But yeah, then it, her little uh, meat skewer turns into a daggum like cloud sword, and she starts to swing at him. And apparently, his like little fairy friend is his book, and and his book like changes the the fabrics of the universe apparently and makes an, a meteor fall on top of her which i i it, that wasn't immediately apparent at the time no it, it was debris from a satellite from a satellite okay <laughs> at, at any rate that wasn't immediately clear until later episodes in which uh, his little fairy friend tells him that oh yeah that's what i did for you um and he apparently Gave up all of his good karma to have Homegirl come back to life. So, and and he doesn't want anything back from her, but she feels like weirdly indebted to him. So now she's kind of trying to help him out. It's not like I want to help you or anything. Huh? Yeah, it, it's kind of weird Sundete-ish vibes. Um, then his best friend turns out to be kind of wanting to kill him too because... He found that because his power is to be able to see into the future, he found that the only way that he could have a good future is for himself to die. So the only route that wasn't sucky yeah. was to let him kill him. And so then the next episode, I oh, yeah, we get the science girl. Oh, you got the science girl? I haven't seen the science girl. Yeah, yet. I, was, I was excited to see the pigtail science girl. Yeah, she she's she's kind of be fun i can see she's gonna be fun hopefully hopefully she, hopefully she doesn't turn into another derpy face i want to kill you but they have to because it's death game everybody has to die right uh that's that's a that was a decent <laughs> that was a decent story there chris um uh, yeah the the idea with with the thing is that yes it's it's an app that is trying to create the next god um we kind of missed that whole plot point uh but yes the, it's a death game to find the next god that will take over the world and in order to trigger that you're a part of it is you have this app installed and then asks you for a wish. Again, he technically wishes. He's like, this is stupid. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Let me get let me have etchy time with with Honoka. And it just so happens that, yes, it, it happens. But yeah, the, the idea here for Goro that we find out from his first battle is that his his power is like this grimoire of um, twisting karma. The Lal, who is the fairy that follows him around, is this this controller of karma. And so it twists the very fabric of the world itself. And what happens with the first battle with Honoka is that he twists karma to the point where it places so much negative karma upon Honoka that somehow this debris just happens to fall pinpoint through her um, from space, which is kind of crazy. And yes, he implies that, yes, I don't want her to die. How do I undo that? And Lal's basically like, you know, if you want to, yes, you can go ahead and do that. It's fine. Which is the idea is that he pulls so much negative karma upon himself that it undoes her death. And so it cuts scene to the very end of the first episode and the idea that, yes, when he wakes up, there's literally like all this horrible stuff about his family's written on the walls of his house. His mother is no longer a day trader. She's a drunk just sitting in her living room chucking bottles at him. Um, they just everything negative. There, there's talk 
there's gossip about the fact that he is some sort of pervert. So something spread online, which I'm assuming is probably some footage of him doing naughty things at Hanukkah that maybe got out. It's just this idea that he somehow has pulled negative karma upon himself and ruined his own life for the sake of saving her life because it was just something she he didn't want to be the death of her. Um, so it kind of turns that whole thing where, yes, this is a death game where the, the main character does not want to fight, which is always annoying in these death games because you always have to have the main character that doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to kill anybody. So how do you finish a game where only one person can live in the end? How do you not kill people in a game where everybody has to die? Um, so it kind of starts out with that concept. Um, but yes, over time, again, Hanukkah is like, I don't know why he did that, but uh, I, okay, can we, well, let's go ahead and work together kind of thing. Again, yuck, yeah, like you said, Yutaka uh, is like just his best friend. He apparently has always wanted to be able to help other people and be the brave one to, to save people, the power to save people, essentially. And that was his powers to see the future. They had some dude that can like set fire to everything, which I'm guessing is probably going to be a scientist girl. But um, yeah. So what what is your been your actual thoughts of it? It's weird. It's weird. It's the CGI weird. is not as bad as I thought it would be. I think they I think they're doing a good job with sort of stylizing it. It's got it's got a unique style to it. And there's there's a few kind of touches of detail they put like whenever they go into like a a battle zone or whatever, it has almost this effect of like the the environment itself like burning away. I I, which I, I think is really clever. They're they're I, at least doing interesting stuff with what they're given, which is CGI. <laughs> I think that the near guys uh, kind of flair for artistic is is in there in a lot of those cases, and, and I think that's one of the things that I do. I think find they have the musician from the nearest franchise too. So it's got it's got yeah it's got some crazy music in there like some almost like. Um, semi trance techno kind of stuff yeah i i between the i i i will admit the music is kind of uh i do kind of like the music as well there's 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 so many things about this show that it's like i i sit here and i'm like i want to kind of give it credit for but at the same time there's also these aspects of the, the this show is just so weird i don't know how to describe it is it's i mean even when I was trying to, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of being silly in the way I was describing a lot of what was going on. But in all actuality, at its base nutshell, it's like Andrew was saying, the, the whiny guy going in. I mean, that's the death games. I mean, we've seen that several times, but at the same time, it's it. This we're talking about some really heavy um in a lot of cases, some brutal crap. So in in a way, I kind of go, yeah, I kind of get why he doesn't want to do this crap. I mean, yeah, I think around Utica was 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 heavy. Yeah, it's <laughs> the like, stuff around Utica was pretty heavy. Even though, yes, technically the whole I've seen thousands of possibilities, and this is the only one that works. I I I've seen that story bit before, but it was still like that yeah, was kind of a little bit traumatizing. <laughs> I mean the 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 girl that he likes tur turning around and 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 going psycho on him and it's like yeah I can kind of see that you you kind of he technically likes her okay I guess it's kind of weird <laughs> I mean, but the the power is what gets me like her power it's called carnival um her power when she first manifested like Chris mentioned he she basically was going to kill uh Goro and she he dodges and it hits this telephone pole the telephone pole 
just smashes some random dude that was walking down the street. Her response is to go over, stab her. Her power is she has this this knife, and she stabs it in a thing. It seems to imply, unless they said something in the recent episode, it seems to imply it's based on freshness. Yeah. Because when she stabs this dude that just died, it was pretty big and it lasted for a long time and then it goes the power goes away and then she takes out literally she's she's talking to him he's running from her and she's going on this big dialogue about how yeah do you know the the butcher shop down on main street they has the, the freshest cuts and it's like are you implying this idea that his his cuts are so fresh that these blades are gonna be super good uh just just hang out for a second let me let me cut into this this nice fresh uh, meat here, and it'll probably be a really good cut for you. Uh, it, it seems like each one of these powers. What I was sort of intrigued by initially when I started watching this show was the aspect of his power, which is like I said, karma, and how he's pulling upon himself horrible karma. Which I thought for the trope of main character that doesn't want to kill anybody but has to kill people because it's a death game. For that type of trope, it works because. He's undoing death. Like, the death isn't, like, solidified. It's not sticking to it. Um, It's undoing the death. It's faking it out, in a sense. But it's causing horrible things to him. Like I said, the first time we see him leave his house, his mother's, like... her. His mother was kind of mean. She's like, you know, go get your pills from the hospital. I don't want another outburst from you again. Implying that he's had, he has some sort of... um issues mentally or something like that he has to have these me- this medicine and then like i said she's sitting there at in the living room with like a whole bunch of trading stocks on them, like three monitors or whatever then he saves hanukkah and then he's coming down the stairs and she's on the couch drunk throwing bottles at him and he goes outside and it's covered with you know makeup or uh the usual like uh repent for your actions your horrible family get out of here apologize whatnot and it's just spray paint all over his walls of his house as he's walking out and again like i said some people kind of mentioned the idea that um he's a pervert that he's posted up a video about something which yes could mean you know uh, uh his friend jumping off the side of the building which he didn't technically do um but it seemed to imply that it was something perverted because they were calling him a, a pervert so it's like interesting idea of having a main character that sort of has to take it upon himself karma and negativity now i don't i haven't quite figured it out because the fight with uh yutaka it it didn't quite make sense to me because it's almost like he's trying to figure out his power but it's not really being quite clear exactly how it works again like i said other than just placing a there's got to be a catch to it because it's like either i give somebody massive amounts of negative karma and they die or i bring karma upon myself and save people there's got to be something else to it, and I'm really intrigued by that. Um, you could t- Yutaka's was like, again, I see futures, and it's not a good sight, which I guess is the twist there, but I was sort of wondering if each one of their powers was based on an experience they had. Like with, with Goro, it seemed like he had bad luck to begin with. And so maybe that's the whole idea, is that he's always had bad karma. Karma's his power. Yutaka, he wanted to be the hero. He wanted the power to help people. Well, how does that play into seeing the future i thought he said something about being wanting to see the future did he i don't remember that i think i remember him saying something i then again like like hanukkah the the knife and and the and the meat idea i i don't is there a possibility there's some sort of it seems to imply that each one of them has some sort of trauma and i think that's going to be applied to the powers and whatnot so i'll be curious to see how they can expand on that or if it's even a story beat but 
it's been intriguing. Uh, again, the, the CGI hasn't been as un, unsettling as I thought it was going to be. I think it got a lot that's to do with they're their doing some creative stuff with it, but yeah, at the same time, it's it's. I don't really technically ever care for these death games. I mean, I kind of liked Darwin's game. Um, was it Darwin's game with the the cute uh, goth Lolita? Yeah. Uh, red suit. I was girl. gonna say I I I, uh, I loved that was it. That was mostly was, her. I was yeah I loved it mostly for her. It was but. mostly her. She like she was carrying it. Um, but I I hate all of them like King's game and stuff. I've never cared for really much with um death games and so it's got my attention and a lot of that's just because it's kind of weird it's weird it it's is kind of it's kind of it's kind of a little dirty and weird and that's yoko taro so I'm, I'm gonna stick with it anything else no no you, you don't we gave, it, we gave it more time than it should have gotten did you watch yuzuki families nope oh i know that might turn into it. I don't know. It's like it's like I I, I think that might be because I think you'll just enjoy it just as much as I have for the obvious reasons. Yeah, I've watched a few of your videos on it. Yuzuki family. I've only played uh, <laughs> one of those videos was me laughing at the subtitles of episode one when they initially posted it. Uh, but yes, I, I, I had fun doing an impressions video, even though I knew it was going to do crap views because it's a bunch of boys and it's a slice of life. Who cares about a video? About a bunch of boys and slice of life. We you know, do. The Yuzuki family's four son. Um, essentially, uh, this one opens up with the Yuzuki family, which is four sons. Who's the old man? Let me see the old man. The old man. Ah, scroll there. Here's the there, old man. Yeah, he's Tora- he's supposed to be the cool guy. Tarajino. Andrew said he's a cool guy. He is a cool dude. But essentially, in the in this setting, we have the four sons, which is Hyato, who is the oldest. We have Mikoto, and then we have Minato, and then we have Kokuto. Essentially, at some point, they lost their parents. And Hayato was old enough that he convinced everybody, look, don't separate my brothers. Because they were all talking about, like, we'll send Gakuto, we'll send him to your, your uncles. We have, we'll give Monato to your grandparents or whatever. They're, they're, they're just going to give them to different families to take care of the, the four of them. But no, Hayato's like, no, I want to, I'm going to, I'll take care of it. I don't want them separated. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll handle all the bills and everything like that. I'll, I'll take care of them. And so he took it upon himself to pretty much work and do his studies and take care of his brothers just to make sure that they all stay together in this one house. Um, all the while we have Mikoto, who is the second son. He pretty much helps out a little bit. Minato is kind of struggling with the idea that um, their eldest brother doesn't let him do enough to help out because he sees how much he's struggling. And then Gakuto is kind of just... His little cute pure boy that's just trying to watch the whole situation happen. Um, our first episode, we kind of follow Miyato as he's he's struggling with the fact that he can't that he's not being allowed to help enough, and he tries to help out, and it kind of blows up in his face. Um, we kind of the second episode follows the second son as it kind of gets into how he and the third son were they're like eleven months apart, but um, the the youngest son the youngest of the two of them doesn't really treat him with respect. It gets a little bit into their history together and the idea that. He really hated his younger brother. <laughs> like, he really hated him. It kind of gets that whole idea where if you're a son that's just born, and then not just 11 months later, another son comes along, and they get all the mother's attention, how you can kind of jealous of that whole regard, how he's always messing with his toys and breaking his stuff, and he gets really, really super jealous of him, and he's not allowed to be jealous because his mother sees him as being the elder, so he has to be, you know, more grown up. Um, and then eventually him kind of realizing that him supporting his younger brother is something that's a lot more fruitful than, than him trying to constantly be at his, 
them be at each other's throats. Um, getting a little bit of shown of how to treat his younger brother through his older brother's actions on him. So really, really like that episode. Super good episode. Like, oh my gosh. Anyways, um, the third episode get into Gakuto. Gakuto being the youngest son, kind of get his perspective on how things have changed and how his brother's going above and beyond. His The eldest brother's going above and beyond trying to, you know, rush home every single day just to be there when Gakuto gets off the bus and how he's, you know, overworking himself. Eventually finding out that, yes, their neighbor, um, Torajiro, he has been watching them. And there's a little bit of fear, like, this guy's constantly watching them. Is he trying to catch them and not taking care of what needs to be taken care of and they'll be all separated? But now come to find out, one day when the eldest brother doesn't make it home, he, he passes out at work, he doesn't make it home in time to meet Gakuto as he gets off the bus, and the old man's across the street, and he's like, hey, kid, where's your brother? And he's like, oh, it looks like he's late. Come over here. <laughs> so Gakuto goes over there to the neighbor's house, and he invites him in, gives him orange juice, um, sits down and plays some old, like, uh, like old period piece dramas with, like, samurai and stuff like that, and Gakuto, like, loves it, and then uh, he's like, well, why do you have all these DVDs? And he's like, well, I, I always wanted to invite you over so you can watch them over here while you're waiting for your brother. Um, so it kind of turns on those things where this old man across the street has just always has known they lost their parents and he wanted to he wanted to help them. He just never he never got the courage to go over there and say something like, look, hey, I can handle it. Um, but no, when when the elder brother comes back home, he's like, hey, you know, you, he can come over whenever he wants. He's like, no, that's OK. I don't want to bother you because, again, the elder brother's like so fixated on the idea that if if he shows any sign of weakness, he's going to lose his brothers. Um, that's the that's the responsibility that's kind of placed upon him is that if he screws up, you know, children's services or somebody's going to come by and separate them. And he doesn't want that. So he's afraid of relying on other people, um, which is heartbreaking. So, yeah, I love this show. <laughs> I love this show so much. And I, I, I fully admit, partly due to relatability, uh, a spoiler, brother of three, <laughs> we, we're, we're short one. But we're 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 pretty much the same concept here. A um, lot of relatability watching this show. A lot of the, a lot of the struggles the characters go through are something that just is. It hits home for me. Uh, the brotherly love there hits home for me. The the brotherly disputes and fights and and struggles and issues all really do hit me um, personally. And I just I find all of it's being so well portrayed. Um, with the first episode, seeing Minato and see how he so badly just wants to be. He wants to be equal with them. He wants to be, he wants to do his part, but he's always kind of being looked down upon as being sort of unreliable or at least not um, not old enough or experienced enough to be able to help out, even though he wants to. Again, the second episode, getting the idea of two brothers that just are not not getting along well. There's a lot of jealousy there and stuff like that, and the struggles that kind of come there. How they portrayed the emotion in the second episode was so so beautifully done. They kind of did this whole like. Every now and then we cut to like a just a white background with black scribbles to make like the outlines of the face. And it kind of shows this building up this bottling up of emotions that are kind of building up until inside of him until he just ultimately bursts out. I think it was just so so the second episode was it, it, like if you don't watch any of that show, like the second episode is so well done. I, I loved it so much. And like I said, the third episode was just super sweet with Gakuto. He's super cute. Um, him being helped by the old man. Uh, the, the, 
the old grumpy old man neighbor that you think is out to get you and then you kind of find out he's just he's just a big teddy bear <laughs> he just needs to be hugged he just wants to hug um that was super sweet I, I i think their their relationship with the neighbors is is fantastic and i'm i can't wait to get more into their story but i love it i love every minute of it there's there's just nothing about this show is not working is is not not working for me other than the subtitles the first episode sucked for a minute but they fixed it so everything's good but um yeah like like i said before i don't doubt this will be probably like the least viewed show of this season just because it's it's boys it's slice of life and typically people don't watch that stuff so if you're a fan of slice of life if you're a if you got if you got brothers and you can relate to that whole thing i highly suggest it i think it's super sweet i like the style of it visual design of it and everything looks super good so i'm loving it i can't wait for more of it though yep that's uh yuzuki family four sons do you watch goblin slayer 2 god no goblin <laughs> you're not watching goblin i'm surprised you're not watching goblin um i didn't watch the first season why would i watch the second season what about dating story uh not enough that i want to put it on this 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 episode you want to you want to put on this episode under ninja god no i did do shield here <laughs> let's get let's get under ninja out of the way because i don't want to talk about this anymore let's let's pull let me can i let me let me pull, pull the band-aid off of under ninja and get it down and over with chris uh, wait are you disappointed <laughs> no i i have i have theories i have theories i have theories okay. give me a theory all right so under ninja being done by tizuka productions um easily like a show i've been hyping up for for like what like two years now probably two years ever since they announced the adaptation i'm like i i've heard of this it's gotta be something good here. I cannot wait for it. It's essentially modern time ninjas. The concept here is that at some point they made a joke in the idea that if you throw a rock, you'll hit a ninja. Um, or it's this idea that you just don't know what who actually hit or something like that. It's this idea that there's ninjas everywhere. Um, at some point in the pit, in, there's like, I forget exactly. There's, anyways, we follow Kuro. And he is pretty much like this ninja that's just not gotten any work. <laughs> like, he's just waiting around, waiting for the organization to bring him a job. Finally, one day, somebody comes by with a job. This guy just, this delivery guy just shows up, walks in there, immediately knows who he is, sits down, and they talk about, here's your box, your mission's inside of it, doesn't say really anything else. He opens up the box, ends up finding this um, jacket in it, which comes to find out later on, it's a very special jacket, so it's like reserved for special occasions. Um, but his mission is to go to this one school nearby. No, the, the first was the uniform. He's supposed to go to this university, or this school nearby, and kind of incorporate himself in there. And he comes to find out that there's another group of ninjas there that he's assuming is a, they're having a turf war, and so he wants to get involved with it. At the same time. This delivery guy, which works for the organization, took note of the fact that he had this jacket delivered to him, which is a very special jacket. Again, it's supposed to be for very special occasions. And he's discussing this whole time with this other individual who's part of the organization, I'm assuming, um, about who this guy is, this, who this Kuro guy is. And so they start to talk about how he made a name for himself in the past. In the past, at some point, this foreigner showed up. And this foreigner shows up at the airport in Japan. And he's going, where do I find the ninjas? I'm supposed to find ninjas. Where are ninjas at? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's there's ninjas everywhere, I guess. 
And so he's constantly walking around trying to find ninjas, this random foreigner. Eventually, he finds this symbol on the wall. It says something effective, don't pee here. <laughs> and he calls up his associate back in his home country and says, yeah, I, I think I found a symbol that says that where's the ninjas at. And they come to the conclusion that he needs to uh, essentially cut off somebody's thing in order to become a ninja. So he starts to go around and cutting off people's things who pee on walls in order to uncover where the ninjas are at because he so badly wants to join the ninjas. Or at least find one. Um, he ends up running into this guy who constantly t offers his own chest milk to random kids and tries to kill him thinking he's a ninja. And that guy just jumps off walls and gets away. All the while, at the current time, we have Kuro is at the school where he faces off against this other uh, this other group for the turf war. At the same time, there's this whole discussion back at his apartment that somebody tried to steal his neighbor's bra. And come to find out, the other neighbor actually stole it. He's been hiding it because he's afraid of being called a pervert if he gives it back to her. I have even less. There's a the show. <laughs> we come to find out that some kid was trying to use a drone to steal the bra, which he ends up helping um, this. He ends up trying to discover where the foreigner is to, in order to help Kuro because Kuro was told to find the foreigner. And <laughs> just, okay, that, that's getting into my point here. Three things. One, I'm intrigued by the show. I, I think it's, it's a very fascinating, just odd setup. It's just modernized ninjas, but just kind of the oddities of life. Just not really hiding from much. It's just this situation is kind of dumb, but at the same time, yeah, sure, kind of it could happen. Over here, it's kind of serious. Like, okay, there's actually this guy going around killing people, and that's kind of serious. It's like, it's... The oddities, but realities of having a ninja life in modern times Japan. The second thing, I hate how all over the place this show is. I, I've mentioned this to several people, and it, and it and I think it's really true. I think this is probably a binge show. Um, depending on how, if it can actually come together to something cohesive in the end. Because what I felt like after, I don't know, three or four, maybe five episodes, it's, it's, I understand what's going on. <laughs> I understand the story. I understand what's happening with all these characters, but it's telling it so horribly. <laughs> like, it's so all over the place. And I, and I think I, I came down to, I think, like four different timelines is the problem. Again, like I said, one timeline is this foreigner showing up in Japan and then eventually everybody fighting him. This other timeline is, again, something to do with this bra, which it eventually ties in with the foreigner stuff. Then we have the future time, which is where Kuro is facing off against this other group at the school. And then there's this other timeline where this delivery guy who delivered the suit to Kuro is talking to what seems to be their past leader, who just got done fighting the foreigner. So it has to be beyond the point of the foreigner fighting him. Like I said, there's literally like four different timelines that are coming together. And there is a cleverness to how well they're telling all those stories to somehow come together. But it's it's not the problem that it's doing that. Because I'm assuming that's probably just fine as you're reading through it. 
it's going to be fine if you binge watch this show. The problem is that it never feels like it gets anywhere because it's trying to tell too many stories at the same time that come together eventually. So it's doing a good job telling the story. It's just, I want it to get to somewhere. Like, I, I constantly feel like I get nothing from the episodes besides every now and then, like, a holy crap, I can't believe they just did that moment. Um, it's an interesting story. It kind of reminds me of something like Odd Taxi, where, like I said, it's a web of stories that all come together somehow. It's just as cleverly done as that, even though I feel like some of these stories don't really have much to them other than just dumb characters talking about how they're going to return a bra. Um, a lot of it feels kind of pointless, but it does kind of come together in an interesting way. It's just, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it overall because it just feels like it's going nowhere. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I, this is going to be one of those ones where I kind of want to see how they unfold this. And if it comes to something of fruition in this one core, but so far, it feels like, holy crap, can we get to the point? Can we get to something of substance or firmness, at least? <laughs> like, give me give me some some foundation to work with here. Um, but yeah, that's that's under Ninja. It's, it's it's odd. It's an odd one. I like how this jacket is a little like a it's a camouflage. Like it's a um, like, you know, like Metal Gear Solid, like a mm -hmm. full on reflective suit, whatever. So you can hide yourself. But it's only jacket, so you can still see his lower half, which makes sense because you're technically they don't they don't know where your you know your center mass is, so you can easily fight somebody better. They can't see where your hands are, but it's like you can always see his feet, <laughs> his legs. But yeah, that's that's under ninja. There you go. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, have you have you caught up on Arc Knights? Nope. Nope. My goofy boss. Nope. Quick on Goofy Boss. My Goofy Boss, I I think it's charming. It makes me smile. But it's, it's going to fall in that category of I don't, I'm not getting enough of this show that I don't think I want to put it in my time. <laughs> it's basically a guy is in a terrible company. He eventually quits the company, joins his other company because he's seen an ad that was so beautiful and inspired him. And his new boss, he thinks he's going to be mean, but his new boss is just a goofball. Um, he gets a tummy ache because he's nervous and the boss goes and gets some uh, menstrual pain medicine because he's, he's a dork. Um, they go out and they do they go to a, a carnival together and they scope out the place for an advertisement and they have fun together. It's like I said, it's super charming. It's got a little bit of yaoi twinge to it, but it's it's just super charming. It, it's 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 a it's a good show. I just don't think I'm going to continue watching it. Um, Third Diaries. Was did that... you watch Kingdom of Ruins? Huh? I started it for a second. Apothecary Diaries was the other one that I, I caught up on. Good. We have enough of that. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, we can. Because you, you, that was the other one that you asked me to. Should we do it now, with? or should we save it for the next episode? What do we got for the next episode? I want to do all the big bangers in one episode. That's 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 two of the big ones, Chris. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. The top apothecary diaries. We had like a three episode drop, and then we had our fourth episode recently, so we got enough to go by. Um, but yeah, apothecary diaries done by uh, OLM and Toho Animation Studios, based on a light novel. Uh, this one takes place in like an alternate ancient China type setting. We have Mao Mao, who is an apothecarian. She likes to do. She basically does a lot of her own experiments with medicines and poisons. 
Um, she like experiments on herself, her own skin, just to test medicines, kind of built up her immunity in a way. Um, at some point, she's told to. Okay. I just I I love the way that you were you were putting that. Not the entire time, I'm thinking about how how she's kind of the this. She got a an addiction to the pain. <laughs> So she, they keep playing on that, that she, she likes causing, doing that to herself. I don't remember that part. Yeah, um, she did. She, she kind of got this weird little kick out of it. She likes experimenting. But no, she's, she's sent to go do a delivery at this, um, this burlesque house that she goes to on a regular basis, um, where on the way there, or at least on the way back, she's, she gets to stuck on like gathering herbs because she loves gathering herbs and all that kind of stuff. And she ends up getting kidnapped. She ends up getting taken to uh, and sold off to the Imperial Palace into service in the Inner Palace, where she is a lowly servant going around doing different chores and stuff for the Inner Palace. Kind of established quickly that this Inner Palace is like nothing but all the concubines, the servants, the lowly servants, and the only men in the area are Enochs. So at some point, she ends up uh, hearing this rumor that the two main concubines both have... Um, bore a prince for the emperor and they and are sick huh prince and a princess oh was one of them princess I didn't yeah know that. the red um, had a had a princess that's why the other one was so devastated because she gave a prince yeah so she's she uh ends up overhearing that they're sick and so being that she loves <laughs> studying ma- uh, mysteries of of medicines and poison stuff like that she decides to go investigate so she over there she sneaks over there ends up overhearing this big argument between the two of them which is Luha and Kyokyo and what they're basically what's happening is one is blaming the other one for poisoning them and really quickly Mamo gets an idea she's like why has the doctor realized this she notices something so she's like how do I tell them and this this um, manager of this inner palace area ends up overhearing her say something effective. I need to find something to write on. So she ends up going back, ripping up her skirt and writing down on it a note that she ends up leaving on the windowsill of both of these concubines to say basically, the powder you're using to powder yourself up has poison in it and you're killing yourself and your baby. One of them, Gyokyo, she takes the words and gets rid of all the powder. She's fine. Lua doesn't. She disregards the message and gets rid of it. Well, word gets out that, you know, Gokyo did this and it and it helped her out. And she enlists Jinshi to try to figure out who was this person that left the letter. He quickly, you know, gets an idea. It was probably this girl. Uh, ends up calling all the servants over. Points her out specifically by writing on this piece of paper, Freckle, stay behind because she knows that she's literate because she wrote the note. <laughs> she's like, oh, crap. He, he knows that I'm literate. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and he stops her, takes her back to the concubine. She thanks her for saving her and her child and asks her to be her lady-in-waiting. And so what kind of comes from this is Mao Mao is now working as a lady-in-waiting for Gyokyo. The same time, uh, Jinshi and whatever will bring different jobs to her. She's actually working as the poison taster for Gyokyo, but... For the most part, it's just a bunch of people bringing different mysteries and, and issues to her, and she basically solves it. Um, eventually, she ends up helping out, help the other concubine, Luha, get over her sickness as well, because she's still sick, even though, again, this message got out that this powder's bad. So, thoughts? 
Oh yeah, and Jinchi really badly wants to <laughs> swoon her over. Thinks his because everybody loves him. He's super hot, but again, he's not. He's an Enoch. Um, he's super hot. Eunuch. Eunuch sorry, I was saying Enoch. Um, he's super hot, but Mama doesn't care. <laughs> she finds him creepy. Um, yeah, did I say I said it earlier? Enoch. Why was I saying Enoch? You keep Eunuch. saying Enoch, and I and I kept that's a different to say thing. But I did. I was hoping that's a that different you would thing. Just catch it. Somebody in the comments will catch it. Uh, go ahead. Mau, mau. Mau, mau. Mau, mau. I like it. I, um, it's... She, she has this just goofy personality that just absolutely works for this show. And, of course, Tama is in here. I th- so I know why Andrew dr- drug me over here. So I had to watch this show for Tama. Um, ended up finding Mau Mau and, um, yeah, it's, I just, I love the way that this all comes together. There's a lot of little cool little stories involved with these poisons or whatever have you and how she kind of solves the problem. And at the same time, how she's dealing with these inner, inner court, um, issues involved with politics and all that stuff. And it all really is really working really well. I, I I love the fact that there's this, like Andrew has mentioned the uh, the fact that Jinshi, uh, he's this real big, he's he's just this pretty boy all 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 over, and he's walking around and and just swooning all these girls. And at some point, he, I think it's his second in command or his second second person, his assistant. Goshun. Um, mentions the fact that he's actually the point of his character, his, his pretty boy nature is to test their loyalty, test the loyalty of, is it the women or the concubine? All of them. They're not, none of them are allowed to, um, love anybody, but the emperor. Right. Yes. The, the point there was, it was, I believe it was a servant that was trying to get with her and he's like, doesn't she know that she shouldn't be doing that? And yes, yeah, so the point there was that essentially this Jinshi is the who the emperor trusts the most and has basically put him in that position partly because he's so hot, he will test the faithfulness of all the women in there that should be faithful to the emperor. But yeah. Yeah. The assumption is just the the concubines, but like I said, it was I think that one was particularly was supposed to be a servant, so yeah. But, I did like that though. It was like this aspect of like the assumption is that he's just a pretty boy and he's just going to always be the pretty boy character. And I'd never really cared for Jinshi as a character uh, for the most part. I mean, he did something really cool this recent episode, but for the most part, he's always just kind of been there as a, I like seeing how Mama reacts to his yeah. dumb nature. Like, I just love her going, I'm just creeped out. Or he'll throw her a bone and then she'll get excited, but then realize, oh crap, it's Jinshi. Um, there is a chemistry there, but it's mostly reliant on Mama's reactions. Jinshi I didn't care about. But to find out that his prettiness is technically his story like he's not just a an Inkaman Bishoujo or Inkaman Shoujo character that you know female audience would love he's actually got a point to him um hopefully his character is more interesting than just that aspect but I've yet to see it at this point but yeah yeah for the most part it it, it, it has all been around Mau Mau and and the things that she's doing and and I, I I have really enjoyed it. Um, she's smart as a whip. She I I as love the smart, huh? 
What's whips are smart? Yeah, she has whip. She has smart whips. <laughs> um, I I do love that she has occasionally bumped into these kind of. Like I said, the, there's the politics involved in the inner palace, and I really do love the fact that, like, in, for instance, in this la- latter episode, she was bumping into this wall involved with the issue that literally the emperor had stated, which is a basically a command from heaven, and she's sitting here busting her head against these these people who are literally causing her to not be able to complete her mission. And eventually, uh, Pretty Boy decides to come in and get involved, and suddenly everybody wants to give her all the all the things that she needs to get done. And um, it, it it came around to a really fantastic uh, cornerstone to finish you know off the. Let's be perfectly clear: the story. He got her in the door. They. <laughs> he got her in the door. They gave her everything she needed because they got scared of her. <laughs> I love that. Bam. <laughs> oh, here's the powder. Oh, man, you're super pretty now. <laughs> Alright, make sure to inhale that. Hey, look. Look what you did. Uh, oh, that was such a good scene. Holy crap. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I love this show. This is easily my second favorite. It, it, it wants to fight with Freyren, but it, it's it's a harsh battle. I I I think the opening uh, episode is fantastic. I the love opening, the opening. Yeah, I'm not sure if the music. <laughs> I like the music, but it's visually great. Um, but no, I I, I I I the opening segment of this episode, like episode one and stuff, getting the introduction into the setting and everything was great. It gives you a lot of inner perspective of Mau Mau because she's trying to kind of keep to herself, keep her head down. But you're hearing through her dialogue a lot of how she thinks about things that she's, you know, I don't want to stick my head out. This place is cutthroat. You don't want to step out of line. Just do your two years. Get your job done. Get out of there. Um, Accepting that she's been because it's kind of comical in how she's kidnapped and thrown in there. And she's like, oh, no. But it kind of gives credit to her character and the idea that she just kind of accepts it. Like, it's not like I can complain. Like, I can't just go to. Yell at the guards, hey, I I got kidnapped and they sold me. No, they're like, no, you're you got sold here. We don't care where you came from. Get to work. So she kind of accepts her situation. And she kind of goes with it. But her pe- personality is really where it comes out. Her personality and how geeky she is about her desire to do medicine and studying thing and researching and figuring out these mysteries and these herbs and stuff like that. How she they get into the first story, which was yes. A simple concept is the idea of the powder and how it's got the lead and stuff in it, and it, it makes him sick. So she figures that out. It gets her the attention that she doesn't want. But they they quickly kind of establish her as being somebody who cannot... Uh, she, she just has this thirst for knowledge and research and mysteries and stuff. But she also has this, this little smidge of justice, which you sort of see as the episodes go along, that you see all these issues that are kind of being presented to her but she can't help but get involved. Like every situation, she just can't help get involved. Yes, in some cases, it's ordered for her. Like somebody literally orders her to have to go help the other concubine, and she cannot refuse that order. Um, but it, it kind of just turns in that whole aspect of her kind of figuring out those mysteries and how she gets swept up in it, uh, making aphrodisiac, <laughs> getting a little extra that she puts in some brownies and 
and that gets off into the other ladies and waitings and she gets in trouble for that and then we get this whole situation with the um the sleepwalker episode three had me crying like it was it was great because we had a three three episode drop episode one really enjoyed episode two was a lot of fun i always loved my mom's character absolutely fun character then episode three i'm like what are we doing here they introduced this idea of this sleepwalker this lady that's always dancing on this wall and they kind of want her to look into it you know do you ha- do you know anything about sleepwalking and she's trying to figure that out getting a little bit about how some people can have anxieties and stuff and have issues with sleeping um so your current state of mind can affect you and she's trying to figure it out but she's not she's not an expert in that field then eventually she goes and sees the person that is sleepwalking she notices something and it all kind of culminates to this the send-off, this, this this little last segment of the episode three that had me bawling. Like, I was crying <laughs> because that's partly because they just presented it so well. Kevin Pinkins' music kicks in there. They had some vocals thrown in there. And then the portrayal of what ends up resolving was absolutely beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm like, I don't know who these characters are. Like, they just out of nowhere introduced this, this lady that's got the sleepwalking issue they just talk about the fact that there's this general that wants an award and he comes back home and then suddenly I'm crying <laughs> like the who are these characters and why am I suddenly emotional about it? It was just kind of like a story that I didn't really expect to have within a setting like this and it just kind of worked and again how it was presented was so beautiful and then have Mau Mau on the sidelines sort of just she didn't really do anything like this was like this is a mystery type show where Mama was solving the mysteries. But this is one of the cases where she technically didn't do anything. Andrew she finally gives got, her re- Huh? Andrew finally got his childhood friend character. <laughs> Mama literally doesn't get involved with the situation, but she gives she gives a hypothesis. Like she gives us she gives her theory at the end. And it's like one of those theories where you're like, if that's true. Um, it's kind of a bad thing. Like even, even Yoko is like, what's your theory? Yeah, we should probably keep that to ourselves. <laughs> like there's this theory that literally could destroy everything. And Mama was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody. Like it, it's just this, this idea of what they did was an absolute affront to the entire, the empire. And it's like, yeah, um, I'm happy it worked out though. <laughs> like I like this ending. Let's go with this. I don't want anybody else to know either. Um, it was super good. Like it was again, she didn't get involved. I didn't know these characters. I got emotional with how it, it technically does resolve. But the nugget of cool story twist was what Mama comes to a conclusion of, which technically is something that nobody should know. Um, I loved it. So and then four was great, too. Fourth episode, we literally have the evil, the evil cackling queen that everybody that my initial thoughts, of course, is going to be that she's a nasty person. I mean, she slapped Kyoko in the middle of the courtyard. Obviously, she's the nasty one. She's the one that disregarded Mau Mau's note. Obviously, she's the cocky one. My gosh, I I, I wept thought, I for her. I thought it was absolutely I, I wept for her. I got so emotional. And a lot of that has to do with like the caretaking stuff, which, oh, that broke my heart. She opened up the the windows and started smelling it and then started cleaning her up and finding out how they totally failed miserably in taking care of her. Again, the slap and getting onto the lady in waitings was super good. Um, the aspect of loss, the aspect of, again, technically getting into what was the impression was an evil, an evil princess. That's that's like so 
so mean and doesn't understand anything is pompous or whatever. And then realizing that she is technically somebody that is willing to accept that she is wrong and that she can correct her ways, like getting rid of getting rid of the, the mindset that she's just prideful person, but actually being a, a good person and getting past all that initial barriers, getting past the letting and waiting that are in her way and getting that core of who Luha was, was like, Oh, I love this character. <laughs> like I suddenly that shot where she's like exhausted and she lays down on the she's bed like, and that lady comes by and sits down next to her. I was like, oh gosh, dude, that was beautiful. It's just a great show. Like through and through, it's a great show. And then you have I I, Aoyuki, I did Aoyuki's I did love it. We had the the Seiyu Aoyuki is carrying Mamo. Like it's it's she's got she got the goofiness. I absolutely loved the little touch of um. I don't know how to explain it. They where where she she told uh told her how she could spice up her her um, yeah the little secret her, the her little secret, little secret like her secret technique her and and Excuse and then me that, for a minute as she left all of a sudden poof. Oh, poof. <laughs> there was a couple little moments like that that episode did you remember um I, I noted it in my video where uh when he first when she first like slaps the lady in waiting and pours the stuff on her and says get this stuff out of here it's gonna make her more sick clean up this mess. And they're all like rushing to do it. And then the guy goes, whoo, it's, it's always scary whenever women change like that. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, crap, I screwed up. And then it shows this overhead shot. You could barely see Mau Mau slowly creeping away from him. <laughs> it was like, it's so subtle. You could almost miss it. And I was like, it's a nice little touch. And again, that's, I, I, I appreciate the little puff spoke. I wasn't expecting that. It, was, it is kind of one of those things where it's like, a, it's a little bit cartoonishy to yeah. have something like that. But like, they technically have other moments where she gets really goofy and silly with the chibi faces and stuff like that. But just to have that that art style not chibi-fied and having that effect, it's like it it's almost doesn't fit and it kind of clashes, but it, it so works right there because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't think he likes me anymore. I, she's so beautiful. Her hair, her eyes. It's like, yeah, but you have something else. Excuse me for a minute. Whispers in her ears. <laughs> I was like, "Oh gosh, that's so." She literally drops the mic and walks out of the the pavilion. It's so great. Um, I love it. I, I love it to death. Again, it, it's it's not quite dethroning Freren for me, but it, it's like in the scale, like Freren's way up here, and 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 uh, Apothecary Dyers is like right underneath that, and then it's like then you have to go down like a, a lot of notches before you get everything else. Like these two are just up there for me right now i can't i can't get enough of them they're they're fantastic so yeah two two heavy hitters two heavy hitters this season and um hopefully they don't and this is supposed to be two core oh yeah another two core chris so this is another one we don't have to worry about this year <laughs> i'm always like when when we get to like fall season we find out the shows that are two core and they're like good shows like yes i don't have to worry about i don't have to worry about this fighting for a spot this year um i just have to remember it for next year Otherwise, I'll feel bad. Arknight's Paris and Frost is still going super strong. Um, they're getting pretty brutal right now. Getting a lot into Chen and her story, which has been fantastic. I've been loving every minute of it. If you're, I, I highly suggest Arknights to anybody. I think um, Prelude to Dawn was fantastic, and I think Paris and Frost is just kind of holding it up. Uh, it's not the most craziest animation-wise, but the directing's on point. The directing's so on point, so I'm still suggesting that one. What else? You didn't. You said you didn't watch Kingdom of Runes. Did I you watch Vexations. Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm so happy that show is actually good. I don't think I've actually done an outline or anything for it yet, uh, but I did watch it. I've I've been enjoying that one a lot. 
a vampire. Do you want to try it? Now this one, this one opens up with, uh, oh my gosh, Terra Komari Gand blood. Is it Gandas blood? Gans blood? I forget if it's Gans blood or Gandas blood. Uh, but yeah, she's a she's a shut-in vampire, as the title would lead you to believe. Well, she they they get in a little bit explaining what, why she is the way she is. She doesn't like blood, and so obviously she doesn't gain power from blood because vampires get their power from blood. Um, she doesn't like to go out or anything like that. But one day, suddenly this maid shows up. She kind of comes in and says, "All right, Terakamari, it's time to go." And she's like, "No, I'm I'm leave me alone. I don't want to I don't want to go anywhere with you." Come to find out, her father. Because she said something to the effect that she was going to, you know, grow up and, and, and be strong or whatever, he decides to go to the vampire queen and tell her that his daughter wants to become one of these, what were they called? The Crimson the crimson uh, Guard or something like that. There's like these limited number of these Crimson, like, generals. And each one of them make a pact with the queen. And if they fulfill that pact... They by you know successfully doing what was it like a thousand uh skirmish wins uh wins on the battlefield, they will eventually become the queen. If they don't, if they fail too much, they'll lose their head. So it kind of forces her that she has to now suddenly get out of her room, uh, have to control this group of thugs basically this this group of um vampires that uh vampire soldiers that all want to take uh her head off because they would love to take her position. She has no strength, so she kind of has to sort of fake that she is powerful, which really works well because her her um, her maid is in love with her, basically. So she makes up all these crazy stories about how Teta is so amazingly powerful. And so they're just kind of doing this whole bluff to make her soldiers believe that she is super powerful. So none of them will try to raise her hand against her as they go onto the battlefield for her, seeking glory and fame and wins on the battlefield in order for her to hopefully eventually essentially take over the be, become the queen or otherwise she'll die uh they get into the fact that the the battles himself isn't that bad <laughs> the idea that this world essentially has these crystals upon it that whenever somebody dies they're immediately revived or not immediately but over time they'll be revived all wounds and stuff will be over time healed so there's no like death that happens on these battlefields they're constantly at war with each other constantly trying to prove themselves on the battlefield but it doesn't really matter too much because eventually they'll be right um they'll be saved well there seems to be this underground group that is trying to seek true death they want to actually get rid of these gems and have death be for real and one of these individuals that's a part of this group is milcent who is somebody that um terakomari actually has known from her past when she was in school and she's actually joined the organization. They have like these special tools or weapons and daggers, whatever, that can actually inflict mortal wounds. And so she ends up taking uh, Bill has her maid hostage. And that's about as far as I gotten. That's where I got. I absolutely in a lot of ways, I really do love the the trying to play off that she's a lot bigger and bolder than she actually is. I. I, I'm still holding out hope that there's this With random one thing. finger she wiped out. She wiped out school. this entire school. It's kind of true. It seems like it's like <laughs> apparently is. true. I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's what well, they implied so far that somebody was going to cut off his finger. It was actually um, uh, Milson. Um, she was going to cut off her finger and then like it, they are implying something terrible happened after that. So I'm assuming she literally killed everybody. 
Um, which I kind of want to see what the I, hell I do. I, I, I'm, I'm holding out this hope that she actually really is as, as super awesome as, as they're well, to, to find out that she, the maid was actually there. It makes sense now why she told her generals she literally killed a bunch of people with one finger. And it's like when the moment they kind of implied that I'm like, that's kind of clever. <laughs> I kind of like that. Anyway, sorry. And, and and I do love the fact that she actually, if this is kind of a kind of playing off as a actual hidden power that she doesn't even know she has. And I, I really love that. And I, I am, it, it's, it's just built itself up to this kind of cute character. That's, that's kind of just bumbling along. But as it's, as it plays out, I, I'm super excited to see how this all, all will show out. And, uh, and if all these are revealed, what are these things? Um, kind of kind of want it to be just a, a a happy inclusive package i don't want this to drag on i really don't that's where I, yeah that's where i'm kind of struggling right now like i love the first episode so much i thought it was so freaking fun i like the whole idea of literally the it's yeah it's, it's basically covering up the idea that she's so weak so you have constantly this idea of her just putting on this show and she literally turns into an idol like everybody yep. loves her and she's literally up there like an idol but there's always like these dumb stories are making up that how crazy powerful is she is. Well, why don't you go out there and take them all out? Aren't you the one that destroyed a bunch of people with one finger? Well, that would be too boring. So I'm going to stay here and let you guys handle it kind of thing. And I was really loving that. And I love the chemistry between her and Vilhaz. I, I, it it kind of has this whole like very Yuri thing. Like it's a very it's a very vampire Yuri kind of thing going on with it. I love the style that they're going with it. It's just it's super spicy in that regard. And I love it. And then it gets heavy. <laughs> like it suddenly, suddenly Mil, uh, Millicent shows up, and it's like, I, I don't, I don't like this. Like I don't know that I like this sort of. I mean, I I do like that question mark about uh, Tedo Komari and her her past, and this possibility of her like decimating the school and everything, which again doesn't technically matter because nobody dies. Um, it's like they make it out. There's like this horrible thing happened. Like this, and now it could be that when she unleashes her power, it, it actually kills people. I don't know. But the assumption is based on the world itself. Her killing everybody doesn't matter because they come back. Oh, well, they, they OK, to to be clear, they the literal first death in the show, the person came back within a couple couple. Yeah, of episodes. Like, I mean, there's, they, there's so an, they, they, there's they, an they, ongoing they, joke where this one guy really badly wants to take to uh, Kamari's position. And so every time he shows up, like like the first scene was why he he dashes her when she's opening up the door. And so she closes the door and it literally cuts his head off. And it's like he pops up later and he she pummels him with a horse and then he duels her and then he keeps falling in holes and stuff like that. It's like it's an ongoing joke. Oh, yeah, that was the other one where she uh, she's going to come rushing after Tedakamari. And so Vil has like pushes her like to slightly to the right to make her spin a little bit. And so it kind of makes it look like she just did some weird feint to the guy and get him killed. Uh, it's, it's funny. I love it. But yeah, that's that's like kind of an ongoing joke. This guy just keeps dying and then coming back and trying to take it from her. But I don't know. Do you agree? I mean, are you? I do. It's not I like do it's agree. ruining it yet. It's not like it's ruining it. But at the same time, it's like I don't. I'm not enjoying it that much right now because it's so it's so heavy. But at the same time, I don't know that it really fits. I I don't much care for it coming out of nowhere. As far as trying to put some kind of weird weight on this, this yeah, suddenly death is 
yeah, a threat. It, it, I, I liked it being light and goofy, and her trying to find her. I, I, I'm fine with her having this weird OP power that she may or may not have. I, I liked the like you were saying the I her being an idol to these goofy guys, and that yeah, one guy is just an absolute obnoxious geek, but at at the same time, he can't do he's anything. Keto, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he's kitty. He was kitty toe too. Was he? <laughs> I think he was. I actually think you're right. Uh, is that him right here? This guy? It's Subaru. I thought it was kitty toe. It's Subaru. Okay, that makes sense. They're they're sort of the same. No I'm joking. <laughs> they're sort of the same. Sinku. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, it's not ruining it, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those things where it's like I I was kind of having more fun earlier. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's not necessarily that the we didn't turn down a road and suddenly it's just, I don't like what I'm seeing out the window. It's just, I kind of like that last road better. I like the scenic view a little bit more over there. Like it just didn't have an, as much light coming through the front windshield. And so it was less uncomfortable. Um, I, I like the, the sun I is like starting the edgy. to get over here into the, yeah, into and you're like, the... crap, you can't quite place the, the visor in a way that <laughs> it blocks it. Spot, yeah. Um, it, it's like it, I was enjoying it more when it was just silly, fun. The guy literally trying to dress her up in either a school Mizugi or uh, a <laughs> grade school uniform or what was the other thing that she had? It was There was like three different outfits. I think one was a maid outfit. Um, they're just trying to throw all this kind of things upon her and she keeps rejecting them. And uh, the the idol aspect of it, the, how the maid loves her, the little etchy mixed in there as well. It was just like a lot of fun mixed in there with this this concept of trying to hide that you're weak. I'm just not feeling the, the whole, we want to get rid of immortality thing. And I, I suddenly have a dagger that undoes the, the undeath thing. So we'll see. We'll see. But so far I'm, I'm just loving the chemistry. The chemistry is so much fun. Um, yeah, good stuff. Anyways, that's, uh, vexations of a vampire shut in without my outline. Which is fun. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll call it there. Um, how many do we have left? We have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. We're almost there, Chris. Are we? <laughs> I won't do it with Pluto, so that's eighteen actually. Um, eighteen shows, yeah. Oh well, no! Did you dog signal? Did talk? Did dog signal come out? I have no idea. I've never seventeen. Heard of it. Then <laughs> you don't remember dog signal had like the pooch and stuff on the cover, and you were like, "Holy crap! I can't wait for that pooch show." I don't remember. I, I forget. Uh, the Turner's magic was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, well, that's that's it for today. Hopefully, we can finish the rest of it next week. Otherwise, we'll I don't know what we'll do. <laughs> we'll see. I hate looking at your list. What list? The list that you have on the screen, it keep looking at the screen and going, crap, I gotta watch that show. You watched Pig Livered. Let me, let me see. Wait, wait hold on. Let me, let, me, let me make sure that you watch some of these shows. Um, you, you're watching Pig Liver, aren't you? Yes. It's, it's, okay, that's a, that's a given. Uh, you're watching Tear Moons. That's good. Yes, I love that show. Uh, you're watching Ter Stardust, right? Yeah. Um, we did Apothecary Diary. Wait, I got kind of that one, too. I mean that's that's it. I mean, Kingdom of Ruins is I don't I don't I even know if that's gonna be any good. Undead Unlock. Yeah, you do have to watch Undead Unlock. I haven't watched Spy Family. 
Girlfriends, you definitely watching that one, right? Yeah. Okay, Girlfriends, really love you. Demon Sword Excalibur was, eh. I'm not even going to suggest that one. I, well, I, I, think, the, I think you're watching everything that I'd be like, holy crap, you have to watch. You're watching Potions, though, right? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I, I think you're watching everything in the next the next one that's that should be watched. Returner's Magic was okay. I wouldn't tell you to go out of your way Returner's for Magic and the Kingdom of Ruin, I wasn't... I, I clicked on them, and I was like, eh, I'm not going to... I don't feel like watching an entire show right now, so... Yeah, Kingdoms of Ruin is like people, like, dying in horrific ways, so you probably don't want to... Unless you're okay with that stuff now. No. <laughs> I can give you some more insights in a minute after we get off the podcast, but... All right. Uh, yeah, Rainy Protocol, I, I, I'm not feeling that so far. It just feels like a very dumb love triangle. So I think you're pretty much gotten everything that's important. Tierman was, like, really good. I love Tierman. Uh, yeah, that's... That's uh, my Desuwa that I keep telling everybody. There's a Desuwa... That's that's all we're doing for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this set of first impressions for the fall 2023 anime season. As per usual, at TalkToSpirit.com is where you can go for our links, social media links, way to get a hold of us, and ways to support us, like Patreon, tips, links, and all that kind of good stuff. And we thank you guys so much for your support, and we hope that you guys enjoyed. And as usual, you take care. Os. Os. Mouse. 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 Squirrel. It's a squirrel. It's, <laughs> you're not getting up. <laughs> Get the squirrel. Where's the mouse? Where's the mouse? Where's the mouse? <laughs> Why are you looking at me? It's a squirrel. Where's the squirrel? Us. Us. You're making so much noise. Us. It's a mouse. Baby girl, where's the mouse? It's the mouse. Mouse? The squirrel. Mouse. The squirrel. Mouse? What? The squirrel. Mouse? Get the squirrel. Us. <laughs> You're such a dork. You're such a dork. Greatest blooper ever.